This is a Crow's Nest podcast. It, it can work. Looks like it's picking us up. Is it? Is it? Is it? We can see it there. Cool. Oh, I wasn't actually looking there. Sweet. Uh, I can also edit this out. I don't have to edit it out if we don't want to. It can just be weird and live. You should edit some of this out. Maybe. We'll see. You can do the thing where we're like talking about something and then suddenly it's like, oh, are we recording? But we secretly know when you Oh, I should recording. do that thing where I stand outside and you start talking. I'm doing a solo episode and then who's at the door? I mean, you don't even need to be outside. You can knock Oh here. my gosh, we could have radio magic. I could do that thing where I pretend like I'm under the table. Yeah. Oh, I'm coming out. I'm coming up. I love Woo! it. It's all recording. So you have all of this historical context. You're going to listen to it later and be like, why is this episode two hours long? I'm probably going to forget to edit it because I never remember to edit it. Hey guys, welcome to Damsel's Who Discussed. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, why not start? Hi, welcome to Damsel Who Discussed. Well, no, we are in person and sharing a mic. Oh my gosh, we're in the same room. Which this is, is, this is actually kind of a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, we've talked about it on the show, but I live in Texas now and you live in Maryland, but I'm, I'm from here. So we used to see each other really frequently and now yeah. we see each other only through a screen. But now I can do this. For anyone who's not looking, I just poked Galley's cheek. Anyone who's not looking as though there's a video version of this anywhere. Oh, I said looking. <laughs> well, welcome to Damsel to Discuss. Yes, I am Alexia. And I'm Gally. And we're discussing Disney. Disney. Specifically, we have finally gotten to... Th- is, this is the only cat movie so far, isn't it? In the Disney sort of canon. Because I can think of several... There was Leading the Tramp and 101 Dalmatians, which we have covered. But coming up in the future is Oliver and Company. And also, I haven't seen this one, but Bolt. That's another dog movie. That's for... Oh, it has cats, isn't it? It has a cat. It's, a cat it's, about, it's about Oliver the cat, but there's so many dogs in this cat movie. Yeah. He's the only cat. We're looking at the cover and there's one cat surrounded by dogs. The whole movie is dogs with one cat. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is our our first and and kind of the only cat-specific movie. I think, unfortunately, you're right. Oliver and Company is neither a cat nor dog movie. Yeah, and we're not going to be going over uh, Milo and Otis or anything like that. (laughs) Marley and me. (laughs) No. Wasn't Milo and Otis a Disney movie? Or am I thinking Homeward Bound? Oh, God. Are they both Disney? You look up Milo and Otis. I'll do Homeward Pals. We can look things up in real time together. Milo and Otis came out in 1986. It does not seem to be a Disney film. Okay, maybe I'm thinking Homeward Bound. Well, because Disney films always have like the, the, the Disney logo on the front. Uh, <clears throat> Homeward Bound is Disney. Oh, yeah. You can see it right on the front. Yeah. No, Milo and Otis is not Disney. But Homeward Bound also is not animated. Homeward Bound no. is live action. Let us know uh, if we should be talking about live action animal Disney movies, of which there are more than one. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And now I can't remember a name of a single one. The Jungle Book. But we're talking about live action <laughs> adaptations. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, I don't want to do is the Air- adaptation. Is Airbud Disney? That's probably Disney. The entire Airbud franchise. 
<laughs> you want to watch Airbud 92? There's no There's way so this dog many. is still alive. Airbud is like um the Airbud film series, also known as Disney Buddies. It is a Disney It is movie. a Disney franchise. <laughs> My gosh. Wow. Oh wait, hold on. I'm looking at the history here. Um that used to be produced by Keystone. I have huh. no idea. <clears throat> Oh, that's part of the history of... Okay, so yeah, Airbud started with potentially being produced by Keystone. And then instead it went to Disney's Miramax. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That that seems fascinating if we cover it and literally all of the sequels. Let's go back up. I wanted to read something really quickly. It says yes. here, um, DeCecco, who is, I believe, the name of the owner of the golden, the original golden retriever that inspired Airbud. Mm. Um, he bred three offspring of the original dog, whose name was Buddy, and trained them for sports like Buddy. And these puppies were signed to an endorsement deal by DeCecco for Milkbone Dog Biscuits. He intended to make his own sequel, which was scheduled to start production in the fall of 99, with its concept being a cross between Ferris Bueller and Home Alone. Sorry, I just wanted to read that out. (laughs) A dog movie between Ferris Bueller and Home Alone? I'm having a hard time picturing it, and I think that that's probably for a good reason. Well, enough about all of these dogs. Oh, yeah, we're talking about the Aristotle. We are indeed, and I did the summary. You did. One. And you get to read over my shoulder as I read this. I could do I could close my eyes and pretend I'm hearing it for the first time. Oh boy. I have actually closed my eyes, listeners. <laughs> I have my hands over my eyes. All right. <laughs> a family walks into a talent agency. Mother, father, son, daughter, dog. They tell the agent that they have a spectacular act to present to him. The agent says he's not interested in family acts. The mother says when you see our act, you'll change your mind. <laughs> and the agent goes, all right, show me what you got. So from here, the mother starts to undress. Oh, oh, never mind. You, ooh, sorry. No, I got my wires completely crossed there. Um, my summary is actually supposed to be about the Disney family film, The Aristocats, yes. not the famous extremely vulgar joke that dates all the way back to the vaudevillian area era, the aristocrats. I'm very curious about this bit now. So side note, <laughs> if you are not familiar with the joke, the aristocrats, it is a uh, kind of a, a joke that is famous among uh, the stand-up comedian community. So people like Bob Saget have their own version of it, Gilbert Godfrey. It's one of the things where like, once, once you're one of the greats, you try to come up with your own version kind of the thing. Kind of, yeah. And it's it's a joke where the premise of the joke is all the same. And then the rest of it is just ad-libbing. And the premise of the joke is that there's like a family that walks into the talent agency, just like what I said. But then after that, they all go into increasingly demoralizing and violent and gruesome sex acts and other weird, weird things with each other. But at the very end, the agent's like, that was incredible. What do you call that act? And the punchline is the aristocrats. I always, it's not, it's not that I hate the joke, but it's that every comedian goes the same way where it's always that gross shock value. I'm like, go the random route where it's like, (laughs) all right. So they're encountered with a giant rubber chicken. Like just throw it off base. I mean, there is something kind of funny though, about thinking of Bob Saget, America's dad, telling a really dirty joke like this. I want to hear like Kate McKinnon's version of the aristocrats. That would be amazing. And, um, oh, Kristen Wiggs. Yeah. I would love 
her version. I just want to see where they go. There is a documentary <laughs> um, about the, it's literally called The Aristocrats that has mm-hmm. a bunch of comedians on it telling this joke and explaining the history of it. Nice. Worth a watch, maybe. Anyway, I'm sorry, what we were talking about? Let's actually talk about the right film, which is The Aristocrats, which is a swinging 1970s jam about wild 1910s Paris and is full of cool cats a slightly different return to home plot from 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> racist portrayal, for no reason, animal cruelty, hit songs. It's also totally not a ripoff of Warner Brothers slash UPA's 1962 animated film Gay Paris about a bright white French country cat voiced by Judy Garland who's obsessed with Paris and her lover, an orange tomcat, voiced by Robert Goulet. I'm sorry, I don't As mean... well as an all-star cast of voice actors. I've... Have you heard of this? No, I've never heard of this. I was going to say, is this something everyone knows about that I don't? No. And by the way, in case you can't tell, listeners, it's spelled, it's called gay her e Yes. E. That... P-U-R-R I've never heard of this. So I ended up watching this movie after... Oh, yeah. So I, I can tell you. Please do. All I'm, about it. Gee, girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You might actually be really interested in this. Oh, okay. Movie. I might. Um, <laughs> but do you want me to finish explaining what the Aristocats is or should we do a sidebar? I'm going to try to put a pin in this that I'm going to remember to come back to. Fair enough. Fair enough. <coughs> so the Aristocats. This is round three of us starting this summary. <laughs> uh, sorry. No, this is my fault. I made it too interesting. I'm no, you really did. I have so many things. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. There's a lot of news in here. <laughs> um, well, the movie itself is less about plot and more about the cast of catty characters. Hey. Because the plot is just the butler did it. Yeah. Famous retired opera singer, Madame Adelaide Bonfamille, lives comfortably in her Parisian home with four of the most intelligent cats on the planet. Duchess and her three kittens, Marie, Berlioz, oh my god, Berlioz. Berlioz. It is a very French name. It's a very French name. The reason they don't say it very much in the film, I think. Yeah. And Toulouse. Oh, and also her fair-weather butler, Edgar. Madame feels like she'll soon be singing opera with Willie the Whale in Heaven. Because she asks her 90-something lawyer, George, to assist with her will. Did you think, like, was it just me who thought about Willie the Whale when it was like you're an opera singer and you're talking about your... No, I was way less focused on the opera singer aspect of her life. I didn't even put those two together until just now. <laughs> but yeah, she is an opera singer. She is an opera singer. That's yeah. why she's so rich. <laughs> um, so she gets her 90-something lawyer, George, to assist with her will. Wherein she leaves everything to the cats and tasks her not-so-faithful butler to look after and love them until they die. Only when the cats die will Edgar reap Madame's fortune. Really? This is an amazing deal. Like the best deal. A smart man would be happy to serve as butler for four cats who, in 1910, probably didn't live past the age of 12. And even if they did, that's still only, like, what, 15 years of taking care of, like, how much money? Okay, that's a sidebar for later. No, I know. I know. We're going to get into that. Yes, we are. (laughs) Not only that, these cats are supremely intelligent, and surely you can make even more bank off of selling Toulouse's paintings or holding concerts for Fellows and Marie. Plus, these cats basically run themselves, Mm -hmm. so all you have to do is feed them and clean their litter box. You're literally getting paid to and given your own shelter to own four cats. Yeah. Edgar is not a smart man. Mm-hmm. So he decides to kill the cats before Madame kicks the bucket. 
again, see previous statement that said is not a smart man. No, 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 no. His decisions are wild. They're so wild. He half-asses his attempt by drugging the cats with sleeping pills, then hops on his motorcycle and drops them off in the French countryside. Duchess and her family wake up dazed and confused, but know they must get home to Madame. Enter the magnanimous Thomas O'Malley. Abraham de Lacey. <laughs> we'll get into that later, too. We'll get into that. Uh, he's a streetwise, country cat version of Tramp from Lady and the Tramp. Thomas guides the family home through various transportation hijinks, drunk geese, <laughs> and a band of talented musician stray cats that really makes you wonder what's in France's water to give all of these animals incredible artistic That's a great question. For real. Uh, eventually, they make it home, only to be recaptured by Edgar, who plans to mail the cats far away to Timbuktu, Africa. Oh. But luckily, all the animals come to the cat's rescue, and Edgar gets to experience animal cruelty the right way, <laughs> where a bunch of animals beat up a jerk of a human. Cruelly. Cruelly. <laughs> they give Edgar a taste of his own medicine and shove him in the shipping box instead. Thomas goes full tramp and ends up staying with Duchess and her children. And Madame decides to continue to make correct decisions with her life by cutting Edgar out of the will, adding Thomas and turning her home into a Parisian paradise for stray cats. In conclusion, the butler did it and he deserved to get shipped off to Timbuktu. Yes, he did. Yeah. I do actually like that this is one of those movies where they actually say out loud, the butler did it. I don't remember where, and I don't know if I wrote it down, but it actually is said at one point. Yeah. The butler did it. I love that. I do as well. So before we get into the Aristocats, do you want to know what Gabe Perry is? Yeah, I absolutely do. <laughs> okay. So. I need to see the movie poster for this. Yes. And I am looking it up. I think I'm going to have to put, um some images from this on our instagram as well whoa these are some out meowzette these are some images this, this is an is animation incredible. style yeah so this is a 1962 animated film Fantastic. uh chuck jones was involved in it actually a fair amount of disney animators who were uh fired after sleeping beauty worked on this film and you can tell i yeah that it makes is, sense it is plot wise i'm going to say it's fine you can actually, you can watch this film on uh, the Internet Archive. Okay. That's how I found it. Sure. Um, the plot is literally this beautiful white country cat. Here's how wonderful Paris is and becomes obsessed with it. So she leaves her boyfriend, mm. uh, who's a mouser, <laughs> played by Robert Goulet. Again, Judy Garland and Robert Goulet, the least French people playing French cats. Seriously. Um, but she goes to France, kind of semi becomes a prostitute, <laughs> kind of like a cat prostitute, including a cat statute, a cat statute, uh, wherein she meets this evil cat, Meow Reese. Meow Reese. Meow Reese. Oh, Lord. Who plans to sell her to a rich, fat American cat in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so he's going to give her away as like a mail order bride. Good Lord. I'm not going to give away the rest of the plot because that's the most interesting part, but <laughs> highly recommend looking this thing up because the character designs look extremely 60s. But yes. something that's really incredible about this movie is the artistic um, freedom that the artist had. I'm trying to find some stuff to actually show Alexia here because none of these 
backgrounds are that interesting. Ah, here mm. we go. Oh, very like illustrative. They're, they're trying to mimic like the French Impressionists with all uh-huh. of their backgrounds. So it's there's a lot of like Van Gogh, Van Gogh pastels. Um, yeah, sort the, of that very Impressionistic. Yeah, exactly. There's even a, uh, there's a whole section of the film. Oh, this is totally failing me, Google search. Um, there's a whole section of the film where Musette, the cat, is shown as like a, a part of a Van Gogh, part of a Toulouse-Lautrec painting. Ooh. Like they and they mimic all of these different artistic styles. So. Interesting. I'm gonna probably end up looking this up. Highly, highly recommend it. It was a surprise film to me. It was a, um, a critical uh, success, box office failure. Ah. ah, here we go. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah, so you can see a, a Seurat, Seurat. Um, And oh. you can see, a, I think, oh, I'm forgetting. I don't know who this artist is. But yeah, but they're very familiar. <laughs> yeah, no, I recognize the art. Yeah. The the paintings themselves. I'm just kind of like, oh, it's is it that one. Yeah. You know, that one. And also, like, Meowzette looks so, like, like a 1960s cat. Does oh, my it. gosh, yes. This is, If you look at, uh, um, especially the any sort of frame with her and her orange cat boyfriend, the two of them together, like, yeah, that is some 60s yeah. cartooning. And the way that they illustrate um, Meow Reese mm-hmm. is, it reminds me of Peter and the Wolf. The mm-hmm. Wolf from Peter and the Wolf. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is a famous version of Toulouse the Trex film yeah. the dancer. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. But we're not here to talk no. other animated cat films. No, we? no. We're we're on the Aristocats, the actual Aristocats. Yes. And it starts out really nicely. Like it starts out with everyone is in Paris. You see Madame and her carriage. Um, Duchess the Cat. Ooh, well, we get the don't we get the first song that's like yeah, everyone... the Aristocats. Yeah, yeah, sung by Maurice. Yes, sure. Which was which was apparently like a big thing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who this Maurice is. Don't hate me. I totally forgot. It's the night. Oh my gosh! Excuse me. I'm allergic to nothing. By Maurice Chevalier. Yeah. So apparently this Extremely was famous. Uh, yeah, he he came out of retirement to sing that song. Maurice Chevalier, and it would be the last thing he did before he died in nineteen seventy two. Oh. So that is quite the that is oh man yeah. Every little breeze seems to whisper Louise. Um, but yeah, he also recorded this in French, and the this the title song has a verse in English. And then it has a verse in French. Yeah. Which is very cute. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I like the intro song. We're back into like upbeat, non-lullaby songs. And it makes a good transition into this like, oh, the Aristocats. Upbeat, happy. And then we go into this happy horse clip-clopping hooves. Did you, so when you first saw the horse and saw the horse was wearing a hat, did you wonder where the hat's boyfriend was? Yes. Where was um, Johnny Fedora? Yeah. <laughs> That's Alice Blue Bonnet. It looks like her. That was a pink hat, wasn't it? Oh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. remember. I don't know. 
I just know the names of the hats. Maybe it wasn't his. Maybe. It went on to continue to be a horse hat. A flowery horse hat for a horse named Frufru. 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 Um, but yeah, we see Frufru is pulling the cart. Madame is sitting in the cart with Duchess and the kittens. Um, one of the kittens is on Edgar's hat. And I, I wrote here, everyone here is so happy in the beginning. Everyone is like, this is a happy family. The butler actually likes the person he works for. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he's really accommodating. Like, the second she stands up, he's like, no, 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 let me help you. Let me help you. And in the beginning, it is genuine. He does seem like he genuinely enjoys working for her. She seems to actually appreciate him. She says thank you and all those things. Oh, too. Mm-hmm. It seemed pretty reasonable. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, And it's such amazingly well-behaved cats they're just in an open carriage ride going around paris and the cats are playing on edgar on they're just kind of crawling all around nobody's trying to make a break for it nobody's like no i guess actually one cat is kind of affecting (laughs) edgar's vision but that's fine yeah he jumps up on edgar's hat which of course makes his hat fall onto his eyes who cares? The horse is doing most of the work. Right. They're only going three miles an hour. They have one horsepower pulling them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. One whole horse, horse. power. One whole horse. The power of one whole horse. The power of one whole horse. One whole horse. Yeah. Oh, uh, I wrote down that uh, the voice actress for uh, Madame Adelaide is, firstly, is a famous opera singer herself, which ah, that I, explains. It does. But I also found it interesting that they brought her in opera singer, but then didn't have her sing. Um, a single line, but also that is, I believe, it's Ellen from Mary Poppins. Ew. Unless I have really gotten that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that her voice actress uh, was Ellen as well. <clears throat> Fascinating. I, it's I, we talked about it a bit in the past, where there's a lot of overlap in the Disney universe in a good way. Um, Hermione, Hermione Badly. Yep, Hermione Badly. And yes, you're right. That is Ellen the Maid from Mary Poppins. Uh huh. That's her. But yes, she goes from to powers. Uh, she looks in real life like she looks like one of the um, uh, fairies from Sleeping Beauty. She also looks like she should be Angela Lansbury's sister. They That's have a very similar powers. facial structure. Half of it is the hair too like they have like a low jaw but then this like this incredible buffon yeah i don't know what what else to call this 1950s 60s big big hairstyle yeah yeah but no she uh she's also got her own little cast and i like this here um she was born in england and she was known for playing brash vulgar characters that were called browsy blousy or brassy but what we know her as is ellen from disney's mary poppins and Madame Adelaide from the Aristocats. Yeah, Madame Adelaide, who is like the most um, put together, gorgeous. Oh yeah, like, the definition of aging gracefully. Oh yeah, she looks. She looks like she's probably five ten, five eleven. A very tall woman. Yeah, dr- wearing these beautiful gowns. She also looked a little bit like she was a very, very distant relative of the evil stepmother. Oh, yeah. 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 Very similar facial structure, but with warmth. Like, very, very distant. Yeah. Yeah. But very, they have a similar, they have a similar confidence. Yeah. Like, yes, this is my home. Yeah. This is my home. 
And you can also tell how much love she has for these cats, too. She loves them. It's not just like, these are my accessories. These are her cat. This is her family. Yeah. Oh, man. I can actually show you my sketches without having to, like, awkwardly hold them up to the... I do like... She's showing me a madame holding Duchess and her feather and her long, beautiful feather or fur boa? That was definitely... I was trying to figure that out as I was drawing it. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be, like, peacock feathers. Like, good feather boa. Maybe, but the way it's drawn looks just like a big, long fur. Yeah. (laughs) It's very weird, but she's getting all dressed up uh, because... Josh Hako is coming. <laughs> and Josh Hako is a hundred million years old. He <clears throat> he is the reason why there needs to be an age limit to driver's licenses. Yes, not to practice law, because he's clearly sharp enough to do his lawyering stuff, but he is <laughs> an interesting he just like skids in here in Cruella Deville's car. I was gonna say he went to the Cruella Deville School of Driving. Uh-huh. And uh Cruella Deville store for cars. Yes, yes. And <laughs> oh he drove a Deville. Um <laughs> and he makes a really funny comment when he gets out of the car. He says something like, uh like he stumbles a little bit getting mm-hmm. out. He's like, Oh, and not as spry as I was in my eighties. Yes. <laughs> He entertains the shit out of me. That's what I wrote in my notes. He, you know, he comes in and you can also tell when he comes in the door that Edgar has dealt with this man one too many times. Edgar, Edgar holds him like Chewbacca holds C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Like Just, he gives him a little piggyback he, ride he, up. Well, he has to give him a piggyback ride up because George tries, well, he says, why don't we take the elevator this time? So you know they've done this before. And yeah. George goes, elevators are for old people. That's what he yells at Edgar as he goes up. And then as he slips down, he uses his walking cane to grab Edgar's suspenders, which we're going to find out must be made out of Laffy Taffy. They are the most elastic suspenders. This man does not know how to keep his pants up. No, it happens a few times. But yeah, um, this he pulls on the suspenders and then the suspenders eventually give and yank him back up. And that's how he ends up getting a piggyback ride on Edgar. Yes. And I also just want to point this out because I was reading some of the goofs. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of Edgar... Edgar is seen wearing boxers, but apparently boxer shorts weren't really invented until 1925. Uh-oh. So, um... The lake was soda all over again. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, somebody should have been fired for that mess. I love when people are so up about being accurate about certain things, but then decide that other things just don't fucking matter. Right. Uh- Okay, I guess. Who cares about boxer shorts? I would prefer seeing Edgar in boxers than whatever the actual underwear was from 1910. I mean, undergarments in 1910 were odd. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, like, those get-dressed-with-me Victorian things where it's not really... You're not wearing underwear and a bra so much as you're wearing, like, basically loose undergarments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a loose tank top type thing and, like, loose bloomers. Yeah. And then you put, like, your corset and all the other garments on top i don't know exactly what they were called but yeah men the men's underwear was kind of some <laughs> this is one of those things that i actually do kind of know but yeah. this is more in your wheelhouse yeah or my clothing drawer <laughs> um they're just really weird sorry i'm trying to ruffled front shirts were mm-hmm. why is calvin klein giving me the world's longest thing they were most, like, sometimes they were separates, but yeah, there's a lot of, here we go, like, foundation garments. Okay, so they kind of look like long underwear, basically. Mm-hmm. They're, they're drawers. Is yeah. what they, that's where the term, like, we could call them drawers, but they were, 
they didn't have like the finesse fit of boxers right again in the same way that women just were like bloomers it's, it wasn't really meant for your genitals it's, i think it was more meant to be a layer between you and your nice clothes well i mean i just don't like i think the boxers are fine for edgar they're fine it they're- also is not that big of a thing i guess no maybe he's a time traveler maybe (laughs) like merlin i'm pretty sure merlin also wore boxers in like one of those scenes oh he totally did yeah he came back yes he came back wearing like Uh, oh yeah oh yeah and a hawaiian shirt yeah he was like full-on into his uh i'm not from this time period yeah but 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 yeah so so george george comes up and uh has a lovely chat with his old friend madame and plays carmen where yes. she has a lovely dance. And I, I was <laughs> I want to be old and fabulous with my pets, just getting dressed for an old friend to come over. Like that's what I have to do for, for the day. Pick which dress I'm going to greet my friend in. That's my dream. Oh, is that such my dream? That's such a welcome <clears throat> to my home type dream. Just like let me invite right. you in. And the only thing that I had to think about this morning was what did I want to wear when you got over? Not like, is there water? Is there food? No, no, no. The servant's taking care of that. The yeah. butler's got it be a lady of leisure exactly so i wrote that right now this movie is old people dance with cats yes because they are having a dance and duchess the entire time is basically in madame's arms yeah it's very cute super cute i don't know if these guys used to date or if they just are they this just those kind of friends that have been friends for so long they just get into hijinks together i got the impression that they've been friends for so long that they get into hijinks together simply because it seemed like uh, he was so much older than she was. That's fair. Or else he's just not aging as gracefully. I mean, if Madame is in her 90s, and that is incredible. <laughs> but she's very tall. Um, she is. I'm assuming she's in her mid-70s or something. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. But they must they must have some type of history. At some point, they hooked up. Maybe. And they were like, you know what? We're better as friends. And now they're lifelong Or friends. maybe they got set up when they were younger. Like, you two are the ones that are going to get married. And they're like, yeah. But they do. Like, I I love George's um, personality so Same. much. Because, because she says, uh, oh, well, I have, like, a matter of great legal importance to discuss. Mm-hmm. And he goes, splendid, splendid. Who do you want me to sue? Yeah, I wrote that down in here. How often is he suing people on her behalf? He's such a lawyer. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, I simply want to make my will. Yeah. Um, and then we follow the old school chain, uh, the pipe communicator, yeah. down to the servants' quarters. We can see Edgar's listening in. He's listening in. And this is where we hear um, uh, Madame Adelaide talk about how, well, have Edgar take care of the cats. Once the cats pass away, mm-hmm. then Edgar gets everything. But the only thing that Edgar here is apparently take care of the cats. And he thinks that cats' lives multiply by nine. Yeah, he does some absolutely fantastic cat math. Yeah. So he thinks that cats live to be like 992 or something. Yeah, because he basically was like each cat. I don't remember the exact math. He's like a cat lives 10 years and each cat has nine lives. That's 90 years per cat. Right. And then also in his infinite wisdom doesn't go, well, he thinks, well, I have to then kill them so I can get the money. But he doesn't think, okay, I just need to bide my time until Madame dies and then kill the cats. Yeah, if you're going to be truly evil or also just he's been taking care of these cats their entire life. Does he not know how little they require? Does he not see also how fucking smart they are? 
Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand what his burden here is because he, I'm, I'm cutting forward a little bit, but we see a scene of him when the cats are like gone mm-hmm. where he's drinking wine and smoking a cigar. He could do that with the cats. Yeah, I mean, both of us uh, engage with cats on a daily basis. Uh-huh. Alexia and I both engage with cats on a daily basis. Yes. We both understand that there are many things you can do around cats, mm-hmm. including drinking and smoking and smoking and existing. Yeah, it, it. I am just again. It's it's. He's talking like someone who's never met these cats before and thinks that cats are a big deal. Again, he's been taking care of them their whole lives. Like he knows what a cat does and doesn't require. Like, yeah. Also, presumably, these are not the first cat. Like surely, Edgar has been with mm-hmm. Madame for a very long time. No, she clearly has been because um um. When she's beginning her whole thing, she she gives him a lot of extremely heavy praise. And it's not like, oh, he's been great. She's basically like, he's been wonderful. Like, he's taken care of me. He's been extremely faithful. He's taken... Yeah. And you see it in the beginning. He's genuinely attentive to her. And she's genuinely appreciative of him. And she even goes on to basically say, like, all, all of it goes to my cats, but then it all goes to Edgar. And it's so much. It is her home in Paris. She has a country home. Stocks and bonds family jewels and he mentioned a few other things and she was very comfortable giving it to her butler she must love him yeah and there's nothing indicating that anything is off no madame so up until the second it seems like this is the most wholesome like butler mistress relationship ever where she just needed someone to help her around the house and he just wants to make sure she doesn't fall down the stairs but no. No. And oh, until this point, it seems like he's been taking really good care of the cats. Yeah, it seems like it's weird. Yeah, he makes them special dishes. Yeah. He has, he, you know, it's like up until this exact point, it seems like he was genuinely happy with his life. I almost wonder if they... I almost wonder if as, as Disney was working on this film and they were trying to figure out the plot, they came up with so many other elements of the plot except for the reason why the cats would need to get home. Like they basically came up with everything else and they have like five different reasons for why the cats get dropped off in the countryside or whatever and need to make their way home. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't figure out what was the right fit. And for some reason they just decided, Oh, let's just go with Edgar being an evil Butler. You know, I almost wonder if this was like a, um, a, a plot point that was a, last minute thought because there's just so much that does not make sense no and (laughs) it's funny because if you look at it like sort of from a distance and just follow the very basic plot points it does make sense oh yeah but then you get onto it like we're discussing right now and it makes no fucking sense at all yeah as soon as edgar has any type of like if you cut out all of the parts of him taking care of the cat or any of the compliments that were said or even make madame I don't know, seem like she's actually dying instead of being in the peak of health. Yeah. Maybe it would make a little more sense for him to be an evil butler. Yeah, but again, as it goes right now, like you said, she's not imminently, like, she's not, she's not in a position for predators to take advantage of her. Like, she's not in a super vulnerable position. So, yeah, again, up until this very point, it seems like everyone was pretty chill. Like, I'm pretty sure he thought probably correctly that when she died, he'd probably maybe not get everything, but he'd probably get something. Yeah. And seemed cool with that. But, yeah, no, as soon as it enters in here, he go. He says, basically, when he's convincing himself as to why he should kill these cats, he goes, there's a, mil- there's a million reasons why I should. All of them dollars. And his eyeballs also get the little dollars. They do. Too, yeah. But I have a question. Why weren't they friends? 
French francs. In 1910, the currency would have been francs. Probably for the same reason why the French accent comes and goes in so many characters in this film. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. There's not many characters in this movie that actually have a French accent. Same thing with Gay Curry. Really? Like, none of the characters have, like, Meow Meowzette, it sounds like Judy Garland is slightly trying a little bit of a uh-huh. French accent, but it is Judy Garland. Like, it, there's a lot of points where I was listening to it and thinking, oh, that sounds like Liza Minnelli, and then went, of course it sounds like Liza Minnelli. It's, it's Judy, Judy Garland. Garland. There's no French. <laughs> yeah. The, well, we have... <laughs> this is a trend, I guess. It is. We fans. have Eva Gabor, who is Hungarian, so there is... <laughs> Europe, a European accent, but it is not French. And the kittens also do not have, they're all American. Yes. Thomas O'Malley, I'm willing to give him, we don't know where he's from. Perhaps he's actually American. Whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, the dogs. The dogs are, the dogs so are so American. Yep. Um, later. One of them is Pat Buttram. Yeah, they're from Louisiana. Yeah. They're they're basically Gajans. They're, they're, they're Creole. They're Creole. Uh, and then the uh, the alley cats, none of them are French. No, one of them is from, speaking of Jets, one of them is obviously from New Orleans. One of them is from New Orleans. One of them is Chinese by way of Winnie the Pooh. We'll get to that. It's played by a white man. It's played by, it's played a, white by a white man. Um, but back to back to where we are. Where are we? Uh, we are uh, so we're we're at the point where um, Edgar is coming up with his extraordinarily dumb plan. Yes, he and says we, these cats have got to go. Yeah, and, and we, then he rips his pants. <laughs> Good, <laughs> and then we cut to the cats. Yes, doing their daily exercises again. Before that, they were just fighting around and. Ava Gaborgat comes in and says, this is really not ladylike. Such behavior is most unbecoming to a young gentleman. While they were just like cat playing, kitten playing. Yes. And then Marie, I think this is where Marie says that line that I've seen on so many t-shirts. Ladies do not start fights, but they can finish them. And she says it with her little kid voice. Ladies do not start fights, but they can finish them. That actually sounded somewhat reasonable. Because the oh, by the way, these kids are played by children. Yeah, these I are have, literal children. I have two notes that really show who I am as a person. Same. Ugh, I hate kids voicing kids. Personal preference. And my other note is I love kittens. What I, I have written down, where I'm jumping ahead a little bit, is God, kids singing is the worst. <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but um, but we do we do get to see them like. They do their fight, but then we also get to see them do their exercises, right? He does the painting first. And there's another thing that I like in here because I think it's Berlioz says, like, we were just practicing biting and clawing. And Duchess is absolutely appalled. She goes, no, no, this is wrong. We do not practice things. Like, she says, aristocrats don't practice things like biting and clawing. It's just not what you like. She's like, I wonder if Duchess got declawed. Like that's like the I don't I don't think that was a thing. I don't think so. I think it would kill cats if they tried to do it back then. But it just that's such a like that is what I assume declawed cats kind of act like at that point. 
Or they're like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. So we must not do this. Yeah, I could see that. But she is just weirdly um, docile. She's so (laughs) docile and proper. Like everything about her is just like, no, no, no. We are not just the, we are not just owned by a fancy person. We are fancy cats. Which I just want to point out. We never know who the father is. Never. I either Duchess at some point got loose and had a hell of a night out in Paris or she was bred which the oh, dog breeding is a whole world yes it is cat breeding it's a world too but none of these cats look like they are no. bred you would have if if like i were versions or anything like that yeah, exactly like if i were to breed duchess i would find a cat that looked like her to get little duchesses mm-hmm. but we only get marie as a little duchess yeah, Marie is the little duchess. I think Berlioz is black with little socks, maybe, and Toulouse uh, is orange. Right. Gray. Yeah, dark, dark gray, like charcoal gray. Yeah. And then uh, Toulouse is orange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, Toulouse is the first up. He he does a paint a, a paw painting. Yes, he does. Two things about his paw painting I loved. The first was that he uses his chin as a palette to hold his excess paint. Absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And two, he did it in about 13 seconds. Uh, yeah, and it was a pretty decent um, picture of Edgar uh-huh. that he drew. This is this is a Simpsons cut, and it will make sense when I post this to Instagram. But um, for me, it reminded me of the... Uh, well, I'm going to show you okay. <laughs> what this is um, for Dignity from The Simpsons. I have a feeling that it's not going to make sense to me, but I'm still going to like it. Uh, so, yeah. Long story short, very very awkward. Um, adult dinner party is thrown by Marge and Homer. Uh, the Millhouses come over, who are in the middle of uh, about to get divorced. I was gonna say divorce. Yeah, and they do uh, they do a Pictionary thing. Um, Kurt Van Houten gets the request to draw dignity. He draws this. Nobody can figure out what dignity is. No, it looks a bit like a potato with a slash taken out of it. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of what this portrait like of it. Edgar looks like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, but as the kids call him, old pickle puss Edgar, which entertains me because, I mean, it's the same thing that kids do whenever someone makes a face. Like, I'm sure they just see him as stuffy and everything. Yeah. But again, up until literally this point, he has done nothing but dote on them. Yeah. And we cut to the kitchen where he's making something he's clearly already made for them called creme de la creme a la Edgar, which to me just looks like very sweet and seasoned milk. I, I can't tell. I think that's what it all was. Like, Probably. It was really just cream heated up with some nutmeg and vanilla and Cinnamon things like that. and stuff. And yeah. then literally an entire bottle of sleeping pills. Which would kill these cats. It might kill a person. Yeah. It was, it was an entire bottle of 1910. 1910 sleeping pills when no one cared if you died. There was 100% heroin in there, 90 grams of THC. Like, we're anything, everything must have been in those sleeping pills. Just to make sure. I'm sure morphine. Oh, God, probably. And he, once again, he he pours about half in, then does the thing, and then pours the rest in. But I like that he is about to do what he normally does and, like, taste test his own food. Which, again, what implies he taste tests his food for the cat's. Why would you do that unless you love them? Right. He's taste testing. This is a habit of his to make sure it's just right. 
this man is a dichotomy of stupidity. It's so- but yeah, and he basically is almost like, whoop, almost roofied myself. Yeah. He's also way too cheerful about killing these incredibly intelligent cats with Who musical and physical art, visual arts talents. Speaking of musical talent, we come back and now Duchess is telling Marie and Berlioz it's time for them to do their scales and their arpeggios. Well, won't they please play them her pretty little song? Oh, yeah. Is this where they do the um, arpeggio? Yes, where she. Uh, arpeggio song, yeah. Yeah, and this is where um, Berlioz does the thing where he runs his hands down the keys, like, and gets Marie's tail in the piano. If you don't know what a piano, how it works, basically, when you hit a key, it raises what's essentially a little hammer inside the mechanism and then drops it on the strings, and that's what makes it sound. So the first cat to have their cat their tail like caught by that, I'm sure. (laughs) No, but also she goes, Mama, he did it again. And my question to her is, keep why don't you keep your tail out of the piano, girl? Proper ladies know where their tails are at all times. So she's not a proper lady then. Clearly not. No, because she absolutely got nailed by it. Yeah. And this is where they start singing scales and arpeggios. Again, I agree with you. Children are terrible at singing. They are. But cats singing this song and playing the piano at the same time is a feat that should be nurtured. Agreed. But I have a question. When Marie sings, obviously cats can understand her as singing. But do, do humans hear her singing or do they just hear? As a cat actually runs up and down the piano really playing he's quite good that's what i wonder because like i marie i could totally see as Mm -hmm. we understand it because we the viewer understand cat but to everyone else it's just let me hear the song of your people but there's no mistaking the talent behind toulouse's painting and Berlioz's actual piano playing. Yeah, there's a point where in the middle he takes over and does a four-pod piano solo. It's cute! It's good! That's incredible! Yeah, no, humans would be able to come in and absolutely see the paintings and absolutely watch him play. I just want to know what they would hear Marie, like, because she's singing here, do me so do do. Would it be meow, 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 meow? Would it just be meowing? Or would it just be... I think that it would be like um, uh, what are those Christmas albums that are all just cat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those like the dog and the cat. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be that. So it would be in tune. I think it would be tune. I have, I have a feeling that Madame, being the opera singer that she is, who must have taught these cats something, you'd hope she'd sing to them. You would. That's what I'm thinking. Like she must have sat them down and been like, no, 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 Marie. You are B sharp. That is B flat. Like, there's training. Do you, I, I, I'm picturing this now like a cat just meowing and then you going up to them and changing your pitch until they pitch with you. Wah, wah, yeah. Right up here. Like you hear a cat here. meowing like. Yeah. And then I go over and just go. Yeah. Yeah. I guess a little tuning. Yeah. Until they. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, we got it. We, I, I am so cute. Listeners, give me your thoughts. Do you think when Marie is singing to humans, they can hear English? Can they hear only meowing on pitch? Or is it just straight meowing? In fact, don't just give us our, your, your thoughts on this as like a social media comment. No. 
leave a review of our podcast specifically mentioning this. And um, if you really feel like it records yourself showing us how you think it would sound and send it to us. Yeah. <laughs> We're all in on understanding what, what, what cats singing sounds like. Yeah. Where do you come down on this argument? Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Edgar comes in. Okay. I wrote down here. Oh, Sorry. Well, is this before Edgar comes in that we meet Roquefort? No, Roquefort comes in after. Okay, that's it. So Edgar comes in basically as soon as the lesson ends. Um, and they all come running over to him and meow, meow, meowing at his ankles. Yeah. Very cute because they're interested in their food. And he puts it down, takes the, and just leaves. And here's where we meet Sterling Holloway's character, Roquefort, and the emptiest, saddest, most soulless eyes I've ever seen every other character, by the way, has pupils. Rookford the mouse is the only character in this movie that just has his eyes filled in his, his, with like black sclera lenses. Yeah. He is just black dots for his yeah. eyes. All, I'm, I'm, we're looking at the movie poster right now. Every single other character has normal eyes. He is the only character with pure blacked out eyes. And he... I love him because he is both the most and the least intrusive uh, dinner guest ever. I love Roquefort. I love Roquefort. He comes out. He's a great character. Roquefort is my is possibly my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. Because he is just on board for these cats. He thinks nothing of himself. He is. He's just like, I want to be friends with the cats. They're cool. But uh, we'll see later on. He puts himself in immediate peril mm-hmm. without second thoughts. Yeah. To help these cats. And in this particular case, he's coming out with this little cracker. And he asks very nicely, by the way, may I have a little? And all he does is just dunk his little cracker in the dish. Yeah, yeah. It's like two drops. It's just enough to snooze. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, here's when it, it, it takes effect basically immediately. The, the cats have been drinking for a total of one minute. Yeah at maximum before they start falling asleep. And then we see Rookfort, uh, like whiskey weaving because mm-hmm. he was going back to his house to get another cracker and he passes out in the doorway. Rookfort's stamina is actually really impressive. Isn't it crazy? Given the amount that he had for his little body versus the cats and the cats just, like you said, were just out. Exactly. But and then the cats are, uh, the other thing is, they don't finish the cream. The cats no. probably only have like a couple of, of licks each, but it seems like they're out for, for a days. long time. Like nothing will wake them up. No. Um, I wrote down somewhere, did did Edgar give them general anesthesia? Well, that I was writing, you know, the fact that there's like an hour of this movie left, more than an hour of this movie left, tells yeah. me that he didn't just straight up kill the cats even though they're definitely acting like it. They are so dead. They sleep through everything that we're about to talk about. They are sleeping through. Yeah. So Edgar sneaks out of the house. By the way, I love this sneaky jazz soundtrack. It reminded me of the old Pink Panther movies. And I mm-hmm. was just waiting for Inspector Cusel of the Certe to <laughs> come out. Don't see the panther just sneaking yeah. in the background. <laughs> but that's what I was hoping for because it it felt like the the tune for this it could have easily turned into the Pink Panther so easily just one <laughs> trumpet flare in a different note and we're 
Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it has the same vibe. That would have been great. I would have loved it. But <laughs> yeah, he's sneaking out of the house to the sneaky, sneaky jazz with a basket that is honestly, it's like the um, the suitcase that Horace and Jasper brought to kidnap 15 puppies. How did it fit a full grown cat and three kittens in that basket? It was like, okay, so this is the difference between cats and dogs. You can stack so many cats on top of each other because they just kind of like, melt into each other okay that's fair and especially when they're drugged yeah i assume that the cats are kind of like blankets you can just kind of fold them up a little bit put them in the basket put another one on top but it really is the way that the basket is also set up is so um there's like a little bow on it like did he take the time to choose this pretty little basket it looks like a baby bat like the an old-fashioned baby basket yeah like the type of basket where a very rich couple yeah take their newborn baby Put it in there, put a little note that says, I'm very rich, and put it on the doorstep of an orphanage. Or it just more seems like the kind that they would use as like a look at our baby. Your baby, you have to hold it in your arms. We are rich enough to have a beautiful basket. <laughs> I like how one of two ways that basket could be used. Yes, one to dump us off, dump, to dump a baby off, be like, we're rich and don't want this. And the other to show the baby we're off. We're rich and we wanted this. <laughs> Either way, you're rich. Either way, you're rich. And he gets onto a motorcycle with a sidecar. Which again i love i i love his little motorcycle with that uh that pops and when it pops his hat pops up his little little the tiniest bowler hat known to man the very the loudest gas powered motorcycle that if you were asleep probably would wake you up exactly you should probably be waking up for whatever the sound is but he's not Mm -mm. and no one else apparently in paris is i also did write down here like this is filler but it is not filler that is irritating me because it's fun enough and the tone change is interesting enough where I'm like, I'm not pissed off at this filler yet. I think I, I'm going out on a limb and saying what's what makes the filler entertaining is Napoleon and Lafayette. The they two are so good. Own dogs. Yeah. Yes. One of which, as I mentioned, Napoleon is voiced by Pat, um, Pat Buttram, mm-hmm. who, if you're not picturing him, his voice kind of goes up and down. He plays the voice of Chief in um, Fox and the Hound, and it's, I think, one of the lines is, Sonny, you got a lot of learning to do about smelling. He has the voice of a hound dog. Like, literally, you, oh, God, you look yeah. at a hound dog and you go, that's what a hound dog sounds like. Yep, he... Uh, he can hear so well he is the opposite of the bloodhound. Oh, trusty. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, I wrote that they were good old country bumpkin French dogs from Alabama to Brittany. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know where they go in the French countryside, right? No, he just kind of, I wrote down where is he going originally? Because it seems like he's headed somewhere specific. Yeah, I wonder if he was trying to go somewhere specific, but because of the dogs messing with him. And I guess we don't really know what the deal is with these dogs other than they just want to take his stuff. Yeah, it's very confusing because Lafayette's basically like, I don't want to chase this motorcycle because we've already chased like a bunch of other shit today. Yeah. Basically saying, I don't want to do more work. And it's it's like, what is your work? Do you have to like chase that? Like, are you just chasing things off the property? And if they drop something, it's a bonus. Or is it like your owner says, no, for every guy you chase off the property, you have to bring me proof. 
I don't understand. I don't think they brought any proof of this because they seem to keep everything that they stole from Edgar. Yes. And two things about this. They have this crazy Scooby-Doo style chase. And there's <laughs> yeah. one point where they run in like complete circles um, around under a bridge, part of it yeah. underwater. Centrifugal force. Centrifugal force. And the thing that I love about it is that yeah, the dogs are barking the whole time as they chase them. But when they're <laughs> underwater, you just hear gurgling. And then they come back. <laughs> That was pretty good. Paying attention to the sound design. Um, And once again, we see Edgar with the world's most elastic suspenders. I'm thankful that this man is wearing clothes. I'm not thankful by how much they drop. (laughs) Yeah, he is constantly almost having his pants down because of these ridiculous suspenders. Maybe... Maybe, maybe they're uh, moral suspenders, and every time Edgar loses his morals, they loosen. When his morals loosen, so, so do his suspenders. suspenders. Oh, it just gets easier to pants him. Oh my god! Oh, sometime during this crazy chase where you know the dogs are running around, the basket flies out of the sidecar and down by the river. Yeah, they end up conveniently located, like right under a bridge. Yes, out so of the, the basket still is covered. Somehow this basket is also incredibly secure because none of the cats fall out. Well, not that we see, but we later discover that Marie yeah. and Berlioz were thrown out and Duchess. Oh, we went. Yeah, but also when we see Duchess again, she is curled up on the ground, like sleeping still. What wakes her up, what really honestly actually wakes her up is not Edgar and the motorcycle going back over the bridge. It is not the dogs. It is not landing by the water. It is not two of her children being thrown out of the basket. It's not her being thrown out of the basket. It is a clap of thunder. I wrote that down. How does the thunder wake up Duchess? Yeah. she. This is where I wrote my comment. I think Edgar put the cats under a general anesthesia to make them sleep that long and sound. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I've been under general anesthesia before. It's it, you can't, You just cannot be woken up. By, like, somebody poking at you. It's yeah, yeah. Happen. Yeah, like, that makes sense. But, yeah, they are so asleep. I wish I could sleep as well as these cats, Same. Too. But I also wrote down that Duchess is a good mom. The second she realizes she's not where she's supposed to be, she's immediately looking for her children. She's doing her best to also um, reassure them that everything is fine. Mm-hmm. Though Toulouse is like, oh, yeah, yo, I know exactly what happened, guys. Uh, yeah. This is all Edgar's fault. Um, or he, he says, like, oh, I dreamt that this happened. And then there's a detail that shows up. And he's like, oh, I guess oh. it wasn't a dream. Uh, Toulouse. No, uh, Berlioz gets scared by a frog. Yeah, and that's what Toulouse was like. Yeah, and Toulouse was like, wait, I just heard a frog. It wasn't a dream. It was Edgar. And they're all like... Yeah, for some reason, they don't believe him. I guess no one ever believes the artist. No, No, but you're right. Duchess is trying. She's For the most part, she's trying to feel like, it's going to be okay. She even admits them. She's like, I don't know what's happening, but it's going to be all right. But then it starts raining, and that's when she loses her shit. They run into the basket. And um, I think it's Berlioz asks, what's going to happen to us? And Duchess goes, it does look hopeless, doesn't it? And I said, you're right. (laughs) Yep. I wrote, Jesus, Duchess, keep it together for the cats. And then we, so they kind of settle in there to try to wait out the storm. Yeah, they kind of go to bed in the basket. And we cut to Madame, who is in bed. Mm -hmm. She has gotten ready go on to bed and i wanted to know 
how did she spend the rest of the evening if she didn't see the cats until bed and like Edgar was just gone? I wrote, how did Edgar get them out of her room without her noticing? Did he drug her too? Yeah, but then she got like, seemingly changed and did her whole bedtime routine she did because we see her in a nightgown her hair is down she's not wearing her fur boa anymore um and she 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 wakes up and looks at her around her bed and kind of assumes that the cat that duchess and the kittens are hiding in their their bed further away and she says out loud i had the most horrible dream about them and then she goes to check them and when they're not there she like nanny when she discovers Mm -hmm. the puppies are gone freaks out reasonably freaks out she yeah she starts running around the house screaming for her cats yeah which wakes up Roquefort, and this sweet mouse immediately runs to his house changes into a detective um outfit and runs out into a fucking storm where even he just seconds before had been like they could get washed down a storm drain they could get struck by lightning all these things that could happen to a kitten he's like i better go out there me the mouse the first great mouse detective yes and get the him. french version yes the french yeah. mouse detective yeah maybe i wonder if if the idea was that edgar also drugged uh madame Adelaide and Disney was like, ooh, we gotta cut that. That's a little bit too dark. I kind of maybe wonder because again, I this is a serious question. How did she not notice? How ex- you're the only people that are in this house that live in this house are Madame, mm-hmm. Edgar. That's it. Four cats. I said people. Yeah. That's my one favorite. of those yeah. humans isn't there. And all of your cats are gone. Yeah. And it's 1910. So, like, you can't do anything without your butler there. No. But, but, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Now, everything living in this house, except for Duchess, is gone. The mouse is gone. The cat is gone. The kittens are gone. And the butler is gone. It's just what is still there. She's in the barn. That's fair. That's not in the house. No, she doesn't get to come into the house till late, until the very, very end of the movie. Yeah. Where she joins and everybody wants to be a cat. (laughs) Yeah, which... (laughs) Very cute, but very cute. But there's some questions about letting a full-grown horse into your Paris home. Want a tone change? <laughs> you ready for a tone change? I'm ready for a tone change. Because uh, we're about to meet Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley, O'Malley the Alley Cat. This might be my favorite song in the movie. Is this the one you'd like to sing? What's the one you picked? Because the one that I was going to pick. Uh, was going to be Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. I am happy to do Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Yeah. That is such a fun song. That's what I was thinking. The only reason that I I think this one might be my favorite is because for the longest time, I didn't understand when I was younger, I didn't hear Giuseppe. I heard he will solve the Casey. So I thought he was talking about like, I'm super clever. Shush. That's what I thought. But I realize now it's just he's got a bunch of names. Do you, yeah, do you understand Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey? What are these? Are they references? To I don't know if they're references. I heard someone theorizing, like, you know how Tramp was saying that these houses call me by different names? Mm. I heard someone saying maybe this is just the different names that people have referred to him as um, throughout his life as an alley cat. Because, like, when I see certain street animals, I give them little names. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't typically give them like full on. These are like full on human names. 
Yeah, that's a little interesting that they're all, again, like you said, totally human names, especially yeah. like DeLacy and O'Malley. If this were like, if this were a real cat singing the song, they'd be like, I'm pork pie. Like, <laughs> I'm stinky butt. <laughs> I'm thinking of all the cat's yeah. names I know. Whispers, Ash, Shadow, Gwen Vinar, Sugar. Sugar. Like, these are not. Birdie Bots. <laughs> Winnie, Pico. You don't know any any cat that has the full name of Benedict Cumberpatch or something. Benedict Cumbercat. That would be an amazing. Meme. That would. Be, I like I, one of my favorite meme formats is whenever it's something somewhat imperceptible to say. Someone's like, "Is that the guy from Sherlock?" Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. But no, we meet um, uh, Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley, also known as Baloo the Bear. Yeah. Again, I'm. I love Baloo. I love Thomas O'Malley. I do like Thomas O'Malley. Um, I also like how he starts to flirt with Duchess. He's yeah. in a flower tree and starts tapping the branch to make the petals fall around her. And I love that Duchess, I don't know how long she's been out of the game, but she's still a pro. Oh, she was, she knew what to do. Oh, she was, if, if O'Malley thought he was playing the game, he's wrong. Duchess set up the table before he arrived. Tom is also the epitome of a cool cat. Oh, yeah. And underneath, you just see Duchess gently licking her paw once in a while, giving him a look. But my paw is more interesting than you. Oh, she's a true French. Oh, yeah. Parisian cat. And then he comes over and she giggles and says, your name seems to cover all of Europe. Right? Yes. Um, there's and- also a point when he's singing, by the way, that I did have to laugh <laughs> because... Uh, Marie and uh, Berlioz are in the same basket still, and he's just like jamming out. Yeah, when Thomas is singing, he's bopping. Yeah, and then Marie like pushes him. She's like, "No, you stop that!" And then she just super enjoys it and yes. he gives her this look, like, "What the hell?" So man? he bumps her. He's vibing like he's oh, at yeah. a concert. He's- he he bumps her a little, which I will say, as a person that stands still at concerts, I am that person. I and if you bump into me, I'm like, "Stop!" Yeah, I hate it, but he bumps her. But she retaliates by like roller derby elbowing her out of the him out of the way she's just like get yeah and he's like very offended this is an overreaction and she is watching with the biggest eyes and um toulouse she goes a brush on thomas o'malley oh yeah because um toulouse goes oh boy an alley cat and she's she's just him like dr evil shushing scott yeah she yeah. was like shut the fuck up i'm mm-hmm. watching this um and oh back to them he yep. thomas o'malley asks her name and duchess says my name is duchess and he goes beautiful and i wrote down here why do men compliment nope compliment names so much when they flirt like it's a thing that i've seen often when men when guys are flirting it's like yeah. what's your name sarah it's a great name like or they or or i've um seen but not experienced the thing where it's like um ooh, that name is that a reference to the angel sarah like Right, whatever stupidity it is. Like, no, it's, yeah. it's my name. Oh, your name is Nefertiti? <gasps> Nefertiti was a beautiful god. Like, it's that type of thing. It's very that. Um, but back to Thomas O'Malley. He yeah. all he continues his complimenting. I think that he tells her that her eyes are like sapphires. Yeah. He gives her a compliment that I did not write down. But what I wrote down was the reaction from both Marie and Toulouse. Where Marie goes... Well, romantic. And I, I think it was actually it might be Burley. I just goes, sissy stuff. Yeah. 
which is a little. Tell me that you're a child without telling me you're a child. Yeah, it's sissy stuff. I'm trying to write. I'm trying to find this thing because it's important. Okay. the The sapphire eyes thing comes up a couple of times. She does have beautiful eyes. I mean, aha! Why your eyes are like sapphire, sparkling so bright, that make the morning radiant and light. Trying hard. He might as well have said, um, "Did you lose your wings? Because I think you fell from heaven." Yeah. Um, and Duchess is also equally unimpressed because what she says. Yeah. There. Sorry. There she is, le- casually looking at her paw, like. You over there talking to me, but mm-hmm. here she also says, very poetic, but it is not quite Shakespeare. <laughs> She's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Try harder. Legit try harder. Um, and he says, the he goes off on the thing about how they're going to fly off into the sunset on a magic carpet, which I fly wonder- to Paris on a magic carpet. Yeah, because yeah. I wrote that. Yes, because he said, because she says, I need to get back to Paris. Yeah, and I was like, are you in Aladdin? Like, did you talk to Aladdin? I was wondering, is like, was this where they started doing like creative thinking for Aladdin? There's been a couple of times when we watch these movies and there's like an offhand comment that mentions a plot point in a future movie. Yeah. That really does make me wonder if it's just Disney writers being like, ding. Well, you kind of have to wonder a little bit, but also, for example, like Aladdin was based off of a book. Yeah, was so it one this might be that. Yeah, it was like, or was it the thing it was like we know in the future because like we were talking about a while ago how like Disney had always wanted to adapt um, Mary Poppins. He had wanted to adapt Peter Pan and this and that, where he wanted to adapt Aladdin for a long time and just hadn't been able to, but put this reference in because again, it was based on Aladdin, the King of Thieves. Yeah, um, and it looks like. So it does look like the Aristocats itself had Mm -hmm. been in, I'm going to say some level of production. Basically, Walt Disney had an idea for this story uh, since since around 1961, 1962. So it has gone through quite a lot in that time frame. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, a very different change in story and all of that stuff. But just the the fact that it has been going through all of that for eight years. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's possible. It is. But um, it's not going to be possible for them to go to Paris just then, too, because now is when Thomas finds out that Duchess has three kids. Yeah, I wrote that moment when the chick you're chatting with on Tinder mentioned she has kids. But I got to give him some super major props in that Thomas Fumali is, I think, maybe one of the first characters I've enc- well, I encountered in movies where he just immediately was like, Cool. Yeah, he was very understanding. And not only that, but he immediately took to the kids, too. He was like, those are your kids? Great. They're fucking cute. What's up, guys? My name's Tom. So, something else I made a note of, because I feel like I might have missed, or I misheard that now that I see my note. Does he say that he's the Thomas O'Malley or J. Thomas O'Malley? When? At some point when he's talking to the kids, he's like, oh, you basically like, oh, you can trust me. I know exactly where to go. I think it's probably the. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought because I'm not seeing it as J. Thomas O'Malley anywhere else. No, but I think it's the. The one thing I do like is that um, once the kids have revealed themselves, Marie asks, do I have sparkling sapphire eyes that dazzle too? (laughs) Yeah. And Thomas looks embarrassed. He goes, did I say that? And Duchess does not let him off the hook. She goes, yeah, you did. I love that too. Um, 
I also want to read just this one one little line of trivia. Please do. About uh, Thomas O'Malley on the Disney fandom site. Like Tramp in Lady and the Tramp, O'Malley is street smart. The contrast is Tramp married Lady and had puppies, including Scamp, yep. of his own, while O'Malley married Duchess and became a stepfather to her three kittens. Um, Thomas O'Malley um, was the father who stepped up. It might be. I mean, I mean he's a stepfather. I just like that it says the contrast is that Tramp married Lady and had biological children whereas thomas o'malley is a stepfather to her kittens and he's really stepped up i also like the second line of tricks of thing here (laughs) um which we haven't watched this yet but we're going to yeah although o'malley does not appear in the fox and the hound 2 zelda the cat friend of dixie who is played by um reba mcintyre oh boy yep briefly mentioned that she had been the girlfriend of a romeo named thomas oh but before she had time to finish dixie cuts it off Thomas O'Malley gets around. He does. He gets around to the Fox and the Hound. He gets around to late uh, to this. And he gets around being mentioned weirdly in Lady and the Tramp for no reason. Okay, I'm going to read um, like one more of these. Sorry, guys. This is just going to be trivia. This is just all Thomas O'Malley trivia time. But apparently in the Italian dub, Thomas is referred to as Romeo. And in the French dub, his full name is Walter Giuseppe Desiree Thomas O'Malley. Giuseppe is an interesting one there. Giuseppe is the one that sticks out. Yeah. But it's Italian. It's very Italian. Well, that's why Duchess says your name seems to cover all of Europe. Yeah. And the Walter there. I see you, Disney. Walter. Wait, um, what? Bing Crosby was considered to be the sorry. I'm right. telling you, this is just gonna be us reading the trivia because I keep running, I keep ro- I keep scrolling down where apparently he was supposed to have stripes. That's oh what? I, yeah, I'm navigating away from that. Yeah, I'm upset that Bing Crosby wasn't it because we got Robert Goulet. I know. In the same, basically the same. Cat I like Phil Harris. I do like him too. He does a great job of this, and he um he's also a uh, little John, I think, in uh Robin Hood. Also oh, more bears. Yes, he's a lot of animals, bear and cat. But can I, can I go back one one thing to Sterling Holloway being a mouse? Yeah. Every single Disney movie that we've had that we've watched for like like the last ten Disney movies, I feel, have had Sterling Holloway mm-hmm. show up. This is just the Sterling Holloway era, mm-hmm. kind of like um, the Verna Felton era. Yeah, yeah, but they're really good, so I'm not mad at it. I just kind of wish that Disney movies were arranged by that era instead of like the Romantic era, or I don't remember what era we're in right now. Oh, I have no idea. Is this a Silver era? I think this might be. Yeah. Okay, so we're in the Silver era, but um. Oh, back to the movie only because I wanted to no, I want to talk more about Duchess and her pro flirting. Okay. Because it's back on point again. She yeah. she She's basically trying to get him to take them to Paris still, but she does the whole thing of now, now children, let's not bother Mr. O'Malley. I'm sure he's got lots of things to do. Being very sad and being like giving that sigh that sigh that says wouldn't it be lovely if a gentleman helped us? But if none will, I suppose we'll just go. Yeah, the type of sigh you give when you're standing right next to a gigantic puddle that you're about to walk into and there's a man next to you with a nice overcoat and mm-hmm. you just go, I wish somebody would put a, something down so I don't have to get my expensive shoes wet. When did they start putting coats down and not picking women up for that purpose? I would just pick my companion up. Uh, probably when the obesity rate started to rise. All right, that's valid. Uh, 
But I like that O'Malley has a 30 second pep talk to himself where he's watching him go and he says, O'Malley, you're not a cat, you're a rat. And he immediately changes his mind. He's like, you know what? I told you that I was going to get you to Paris. I'm going to fucking get you to Paris. I'm going to step it up. He is. And the, another thing about um, this here, because um, he eventually does end up going with them. Yeah. He was actually not intending to go with them. He was a, he was legitimately just getting them a ride. And he gets them a ride. He absolutely does. Yeah. But you're right. Like, they have the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stops by. I can't remember if it it's was a like milk a truck. Milk truck. That's it. That's and it. O'Malley jumps out of a tree onto the windshield and is just like, "Yeah, I wrote that is because <laughs> he's just like, look, I'm just going to spook this milk truck driver." And we get a very traditional French milk truck driver who goes, "Sacre bleu!" His name is just Sacre bleu because this is the only thing he ever says. I think it is the only thing he also said. He says something else that I didn't that I googled and didn't. Something like get out of my car. Yeah, something else. Something else very French. But uh, but yeah. So the car starts running, and Tom is like, "That's your ride." And the yeah. cats they run, all... get onto it. Mm-hmm. Marie then decides to stand near the open kind of truck flap. Yeah, he's like, "Goodbye, Mister O'Malley. Goodbye." Whoops, falls out. Falls out. Tom again proves to be the best cat dad ever, mm-hmm. um, and is like, "Oh no 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 no." picks her up, runs after, jumps onto the truck. And which is now moving too fast for he to jump off again. Mm-hmm. And I do like that when he and Duchess make eye contact, he just goes, haven't we met before? And she goes, so and cute. I'm so very glad we did. Yeah. Like it was a silly kind of thing. But like, that's kind of a nice little icebreaker. It's super cute. And I think <clears throat> Duchess is um, uh, now, now He's basically like, okay, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. And Duchess uh, is explaining to him how they need to get back to the to mm-hmm. Madam and all of that. And Tom says that humans don't worry too much about their pets. Yeah, he wrote, he says humans don't really worry too much about their pets. That's that's his, that's what he tells. And he tells it to Duchess in what I believe he believes to be a reassuring way. Like, he's telling her not to be dismissive, but he's like, no, no she's fine. Like, yeah. she's fine. And humans don't worry about their pets. And she she corrects him. Um, and she says, she gives him a little bit of a small monologue, which ends with her saying, in all our days, in tender ways, her love for us was shown. She'd always say that we're the greatest treasure she could own because with us, she never felt alone. So that really got me in the field. Oh, same. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. As someone who is, um, as many of us have experienced, like, uh, losing a pet before not 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 a pet actually dying i mean like if your pet gets out yeah and they're lost and you're like i don't know what's happening right mm-hmm. there i have definitely experienced this before and i've definitely experienced that extreme amount of i can't live my life without knowing where my pet is yeah <laughs> it's because it's that upsetting mystery yeah. of such and you see just they they bring us visually back to the to the manor and you just see madame standing in the window looking very sad yeah she aged 10 years overnight we did and then we go um we find rookford again as he is extremely dejectedly walking in to see frou-frou the horse and i do like that i wrote down here that they're so distraught and this is clearly a very loving household like everyone cares about everyone except edgar if that's what i wrote down except edgar yeah because edgar's just sitting there uh 
bragging to Fru-Fru, thinking that he's doing the right thing. Like, he's very, like... Excited. Excited about it. And just like, he, oh, guys, this is great. Let me tell you all about this dumb thing I'm doing. He proudly shows her a newspaper, of which the front page is basically, like, someone kidnapped these rich women's cats. And as he says to Fru-Fru, straight from the horse's mouth, which... It's very funny when you say it to a horse, right? Yeah. That horse is like, you can't use that term. And I just wrote down, don't confess to your animals because they have better hearing than we do. Can you imagine how the true crime community would be if uh, an animal came out with a podcast that explained all of the, (laughs) like, hey, you know, I talked to all of these other animals that used to be owned by, well, actually, we're not going to get into that. Those animals wouldn't exist. No, but so many crimes could be solved if we just could listen to the animals. Yeah, but unfortunately, Fru-Fru can't say anything. But Edgar comes to the conclusion that if someone finds his hat and umbrella out in the countryside, they're going to assume that he was responsible for the catnapping. So he runs off and the way he runs is so funny. He like runs like this with his hands in the air. Like, "Ah." I don't understand he does spirit fingers in the like air. Up in the, yeah, like up in the air. Oh, We're no, both no, doing no. it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so silly. But it's like, what you need to do is, you know the strongman pose where you put your arms up like you're showing off your muscles? Mm-hmm. But then instead of making fists, you just, li- you just let your wrist fingers. go lo- loose and then you just wave your hands and fingers around a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's, so the, that's the Edgar in panic run. <laughs> Which I also want to just point this out. It's 1910. Yes, it is. Um, DNA anything does not exist. Correct. He left it out in the French countryside where, I, I guess he doesn't realize that the dogs now own his property, but yeah. it's out in the French countryside. He's a white man from mm-hmm. an affluent part of town. With no checkered history, apparently. Yeah, the likelihood that he would be caught for this is nil. Right, it's also a hat and an umbrella. It's not like they're monogrammed with his name or anything. Did they also take his basket? Yeah, but they didn't take the full. Um, I thought they also took his sidecar. Sidecar, yeah, because it came detached <laughs> from the from the moped. See, he was obsessed with his hat and umbrella. I'd be way more concerned with the sidecar. That might actually be registered. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but before we go, um, Rookford accidentally goes flying into. Oh, I, Sorry. I just wanted to say these dogs are amazing. I have amazing thieves. <laughs> I have a couple of other things written down, um, but sorry, I'm scrolling through the notes to see where, like, what happened when he, because he doesn't actually go back for a little while. Yeah, yeah, but, but you, you're right. Like, uh, Roquefort does. He um, goes flying into a barrel of oats, and when he does, he says indignantly as he's spitting out oats, "Sneaky, no good." <laughs> The did butler it. did it. Yeah. Um, but we go back to the cats and the kittens in the truck. Yeah, and they're they're hungry. It's it's breakfast time. They're so hungry. But again, O'Malley steps up to be the most natural handler of children ever. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, oh, there's some milk under this cloth, I'll just show you. He gets them involved with a silly little magic ritual. Mm-hmm. Just, just for fun. Yeah, he's just like, has this, has this man had children before? Because he's very natural with it. He's very natural yeah. at it. Um, 
But unfortunately, this is about when they get caught. Yeah, this is when the driver looks into his rearview mirror and sees that extremely recognizable orange cat and is like, get out. Yup. And he and what he does is he uh, does the quick stop with the yeah. car, which causes Thomas to fly forward <laughs> onto his face. And it's pretty fantastic. And that's when, again, he says, Super bleu. yes, and he chases them away, mm-hmm. um, throwing things after them. Um, everyone runs away except for Marie, who has somehow managed to end up just in the middle of the road, like sitting down. So O'Malley has to save her yeah. again. She's save my again. <laughs> I said, Marie, stop getting into trouble. Yeah, like Marie, stand on your feet. Um, Tom does all the hard work. <laughs> they do, and then they immediately decide that wasn't enough peril. Let's go play on some train tracks. Train track cats about to be flat cats. Uh, yeah. Oh, but before we get there, um, Duchess is appalled. She says, what a horrible, horrible human. And very nonchalantly, Thomas goes, some humans are like that, Duchess, and just keeps moving. Yeah, Duchess probably, like, we should have had a moment of pause on Duchess's face where she's like, huh. Some people are like that. Yeah, because she's only interacted with uh madame and edgar and then people that madame brings into her home who i'm sure all are very nice to her cats yeah but that would have been a really good moment for her to be like maybe edgar is a shithead no but they don't use this moment instead they use it to go play on train tracks where an actual train shows up so they have to hide really quickly and once again marie falls 400 fucking feet and should be dead there's a um there's also uh, cats on train tracks in Gay Paris. Of course there are. <laughs> yeah. But but does the love interest in Gay Paris fling himself off of a bridge to save a hot girl's kid? No, there is a bridge. Okay. With the Robert Goulet cat. And oh, I forgot to mention also in this movie is um, a kitten played by Red Buttons. That's like Robert Goulet's sidekick in here. Fantastic. And this cat is fully asleep when they're on the train tracks. For some reason, does not wake up whatsoever. And um, Robert Goulet's cat has to kind of avoid a train that's going over without dropping the cat millions of feet uh, into a gorge. That's basically what happens here, except somehow Marie survives. And O'Malley also survives jumping in after (laughs) Yeah. And Duchess extremely helpfully goes, Thomas, take. Yeah, make sure my kid is okay. He does get Marie and tosses her to Duchess. Yeah. Um, I will give Duchess small credit. As soon as she makes sure all three of her kittens are in the same place, she starts running down the river to keep an eye on him. That is true. She, I mean, she can't swim she, either, so I do think it's smart she also doesn't go in. Yeah, because then Thomas <laughs> is, is just kind of like ballooning his way down the river but you know, he's trying to get out trying he desperately is. to get out and but you that's know who's he... not gonna help him geese the geese who i wrote down i forgot about these geese and i'm sad to be reminded I completely forgot this is abigail and amelia gabble yes british and, geese and i want to know what bottomless brunch they came from because they are giggles fits to hell they are so giggles fits to hell they are. They had bottomless mimosas. They, I, wrote, sure. I wrote down here, what bottomless brunch did they come from? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they are literally falling all over each other already, just giggling about. 
Yeah, and they like think that Tom is a, a some type of waterfowl because they're like, it's not how you swim, or that's yes. just how you get food underwater or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they basically see him in trouble, and they're like, look, a learning how to swim, and not, a, oh, look, a cat in peril. Yeah. So they decide they're going to him. By pushing his head underwater. Yeah, they literally swim out to him where they see him holding onto a, a branch, and they're like, you're never going to learn with that branch, so we're going to cut it. Mm-hmm. We're going to cut your lifeline. We're going to cut your lifeline. Um, and so that goes about as expected, where he just starts flailing around. And one of them, I don't know which, says, don't worry about form. It will come later. And then he goes underwater. And he comes up behind them and tries to, like, you know, when you're panicking, you grab someone. Yeah, but he, but he, grabs, their- he grabs both of their tail feathers. And yeah. they immediately start giggling again. And one of them says, this is no time for fun and games. <laughs> what were you geese up for? Murder. They were up for murder. Gross. No, but they were uh, they were on board for it. They were like, this this cat's just gonna go. And then they, they like help him out of a jam that they got him into. Ex- once they realize he is actually drowning, like he is yeah. coming, he is underwater and not coming up. They both look at each other and they're like, uh oh. These mindless fucking geese. They bring him to shore and they get, they are so patronizing to him. One of them goes, keep practicing and don't think it. Also, judge the fact that there's an unmarried cat out with oh. a male cat friend and three kittens. So we get here. Um, so Duchess and the kittens run up, and they int- the geese introduce each other because one of them says, "We British like to keep things proper." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when they start introducing each other, and they say that they've been walking through. Um, they're doing a walking tour of France. Some walking, some swimming on water, of course. Um, and Thomas says something along the lines of get those two web-footed lifeguards out of here. Duchess tells them to be nice. So he retorts back with hiya chicks. They laugh and say, we're not chickens, we're geese. And he says, oh, I thought you were swans. To which they start giggling and Duchess gets pissed. They definitely took it as a compliment. Oh yeah, he he was because compl- he was he was flirting a little. He oh, was I feeling, think he was flirting. I it's think not actual flirting. He was making fun of them. Yeah. But it was that sarcastic flirt. Yeah. But Duchess was not happy. I mean, I wouldn't be either. I would have laughed. Um, I, I would have laughed more at them, but fair. Like, ooh. They do start complimenting him, but then when they assume they say something to Duchess like, you and your husband, and he yeah. goes, I'm not really her husband. Well, are you or aren't you? I'm not. And that's when they start gossiping. Being gossipy geese? Scandalous, possibly a reprobate. His eyes are too close together. A crooked smile, obviously a philanderer who trifles with unsuspecting women's hearts. Do you understand how cats work? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, like, they're not monogamous. It's not exactly. <laughs> no, and, you know, I have to give it to O'Malley because he's like, they don't know the context. We're just going to get out of here. I'm tired of dealing with this. I had to yeah. rescue a kitten out of the water and then almost drown myself. I'm done with it. We're headed to Paris. And wouldn't you know it? So are the geese. So are the geese. And they yeah. just, they think that they should travel together. And I, 
only just now got that when the geese start lining up the cats, mm-hmm. that they're putting them in goose migration formation. Mm-hmm. I did not get that till today. That was kind of cute. That was. They put them in the little V. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and then they just kind of waddled to France. Yeah. With, this, was, this was like a shorter trip than 101 Dalmatians. And they let us know about the next scene that we're going to have, which is that we they must meet Uncle Waldo. Oh, we you simply must meet our Uncle Waldo. Our drunk goose Uncle Waldo. Which, you know he's drunk because we encounter him being thrown out of a restaurant, Le Petit Café. Mm-hmm. Um, and the subtitles over what he said in the beginning was just drunken mumbling. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering about that because he just, he's British. Yeah. So it's not like he's going to be speaking French. But no. um, the 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 goose did get drunk on sherry. I think it's implying that he no, was about to be cooked. White wine. Oh, he said sherry. No, because he went over the recipe saying that it was goose. Oh, it wasn't the perfect drink. Exactly. Yes, that yes. The dish was supposed to be basted in white wine. And he says, being British, being British, I would have preferred sherry. Ah, yes. He was judgy. But he also, um, when he sees Abigail and Amelia, he doesn't call them his nieces. He calls them his two favorite nooses. (laughs) Kind of nooses. Well, like a goose goose niece. niece. A goose niece. A goose. (laughs) And he, we basically have a little thing where he just does the drunk thing of like, yeah! Yeah. Well, and um, Abigail and white girl wasted. He's white girl wasted. Abigail and Amelia are both shushing him. Um, And yeah, he said he was basted in white wine, but he said it to O'Malley in that close drunk way. Yeah. Where O'Malley leans back three feet and then goes basted. He's marinated in it. Which he was. He He absolutely was. Yeah, something happened where he lost his tail feathers. Not exactly sure if they were plucked or if he got shaved or what. Well, that's why I'm thinking that he was picked up to be served. And for some reason, they decided to start by serving him all the wine and then begin shaving this goose. I don't understand how this works. Like, did he go in? I wrote in there, did he try to go in there to get his own goose cooked? <laughs> that's pretty good because I thought there was a like there's a scene where maybe I'm misremembering this but where Uncle Waldo was like um, right outside the restaurant and you see behind his head like the special tonight yeah the like menu goose goose based it in white wine yeah I don't understand how they're planning on preparing a live goose that way I don't either I, I that's where <laughs> I kind of lose it but um, they do manage to start getting him home and um, Thomas O'Malley's one that says, I like Uncle Waldo and Duchess interjects with, especially when he's marinated. Yeah. Yeah. That was cute. Yeah. And here we go. We come back to the dogs again and the first mouse detective because Rookfort knows that Edgar's going out to mm-hmm. retrieve his belongings and tries to go with him. Yes. By hopping into the broken out taillight. Yeah. Because that's safe. There's just nothing but a little bit of healthy soot that gets into this tiny mouse's lungs. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So totally unrelated. Yeah. Roquefort was um, getting his bell rung in the in the, in the horrible broken... Yeah, because he climbs into the broken um, out tailpipe on Edgar's moped deal. Mo- and motorcycle. Motorcycle. And then gets thrown out of it and is holding onto the license plate for a second. Yeah. And then finally just gets flung into oblivion. Yeah. 
This poor mouse. He should be dead like 12 times over. This mouse is the one that has nine lives mm-hmm. on the cats. That's for sure. Seriously. Yeah. Um, we cut back to Napoleon, who's like a bloodhound, and Lafayette, who looks like a basset hound? I think so. Mm-hmm. I love Lafayette. I, I, I love it looks like a dog whose name is Lafayette. He does. He, they look, he looks like such a good boy. Yeah. But um, Edgar is sneaking. He's not a boy. He's a criminal. Napoleon seems like the criminal and Lafayette's the accomplice. Okay, Napoleon's but they're the brain of the operation. Oh, he's absolutely the brain. He's also with this incredible sense of smell. So he has, yeah. um, I mean, hearing. He hears Edgar sneaking out of the property in his shoes. He's like squeaky squeak. Mm-hmm. Squeak shoes. And he says, Oxford shoes, size nine and a half with a hole in the left sole and just to be silly lafayette goes what color are they what color are the shoes yeah and he goes now how would i know that would i know the color of shoes just by listening but edgar is trying to get his stuff back in the weirdest way because lafayette is sleeping in the basket and napoleon is sleeping in the sidecar and they keep uh, and I also, when they're hearing all the shoes, mm-hmm. the sh- Edgar's creaky shoes, um, both of the dogs call it a little old cricket bug. Yes. That's what they think it is. They don't realize it's a human. It's just a little cricket bug. Which I feel like they would be able to smell the stink of human. You'd think, right? But yeah. that's not what tips them off. Um, they go back to sleep. And Edgar's brilliant plan to get his stuff back. It- Sorry, my phone just keeps going off. <laughs> it involves... Um, a fishing line, a fishing pole. It is. It is such a cartoon use of a fishing pole. To because they're sleeping against this gigantic. The dogs are sleeping against this gigantic haystack. Yes, the haystack. They're leaning against like the back of the basket and the back of a hay car, kind of like prop, not propped up, but they're like backed up against this haystack. Yeah, which is huge, by the way. This haystack has got to be at least seven feet tall. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, Napoleon. Has Edgar's hat over his eyes. Yeah. To sleep. He's casual. He's a casual dog. It's he needs cool. a little bit of a blindfold. It's pretty cool. Because Lafayette has the uh, veil of the basket to, to cut out the daylight. So, so Napoleon needs something too. Yeah. 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 Countryside at night in 1910 where there's no lights. You just, you need that extra darkness. You really need that extra darkness. Oh. When your soul is full of darkness because you're a little <laughs> criminal dog. Who lives on a farm. Who lives on a farm. But yeah, uh, Edgar is behind them with this fishing rod. That mm-hmm. he puts over mm-hmm. the haystack that you said is like seven feet tall. It's so tall. To try and hook the hat. I think the, well, he gets the, what does he get first? He gets something first, yeah. Uh, he gets the hat somehow. He then gets the basket. No, he, I don't remember the order in which he gets things, but he tips Lafayette into the sidecar with Napoleon. Yeah. Um. So he gets the basket back. He gets the hat back and he's trying to get the umbrella back, which is hooked on the horn of the sidecar. Mm -hmm. And when he can't get it back, he just ends up setting off the horn and that wakes up the dogs. Yeah. So the umbrella is like hooked around it. Mm -hmm. Little, I was about to call it the parrot end because of Mary Mary Poppins. Poppins. Yeah. Mary Poppins umbrella. (laughs) And of course, what does Edgar do when he's lifting it? Goes honka, 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 honka. He does it multiple times. He does it several times and then eventually just goes yeah which is it starts another um scooby-doo style chase (laughs) dog hijinks another another set of dog hijinks um but (laughs) 
they eventually get to a point where they kind of like back up into each other, but Napoleon is way taller. So what they've done is back up over each other when Napoleon is standing on Lafayette to the point where he's standing on his ear and Lafayette rips his head free, which means he bonks his head into Napoleon's stomach. And then they both run off panicking and they, you know, they do the thing like, you okay, you okay. And Lafayette says, he didn't hurt me. He hit me on the head. <laughs> There's nothing in there. It's fine. Nothing in that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we start hearing something again. We hear a little crickety, crickety, crickety. Mm-hmm. And Lafayette goes, what's that? And Napoleon says, you're not going to believe me. But it's a one-wheeled haystack. Yes. <laughs> and Edgar has disguised himself in the haystack and is wheeling his way out on his sidecar. Which is actually genuinely impressive that any of that hay is staying on him. It's extremely impressive. And you know who Lafayette must also be impressed because he just says to Napoleon, c'est la guerre, Napoleon, which just means that's war. Which is impressive that he said it because he's definitely from Alabama. This goes back to my theory that these guys are Cajun. That's what I was wondering if they're supposed to be like Creole or something, but I don't know. Their accents are very, very. They're extremely weird. U.S. Southern. It's I'm the leader. I'll say when we charge. Mm-hmm. Very. I'm trying to not do Pat Buttram's voice. It's not working. Well, trying to do his like weird squeaky voice kind of voice. It's like that. it's, it's yeah. very unique to a point where I'm like it's not easy to do. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now we go back to uh, Duchess and Company, where we see some very tired kittens. We, we're we're about to get into culture. We are about to get into culture. Uh, Marie is riding on Thomas like she's a princess, um, and Thomas is saying, "Don't worry, I've got a place. We can just spend the night there before we make it to Paris because they're in." They're in the area, but they're not quite where they need to go. Yeah, so we're at this point, were they actually in like the outskirts of Paris? Because I, I think they were so. supposed to be in Paris. I think so, where it's like the far out point, but it's just too far to walk in one night. Yeah. So they're going to go to his place, and he says it's peaceful and quiet, unless scat cats dropped in. Which they live, <laughs> he must have a flop house, right? Like, he lives in a flop house. Thomas O'Malley lives in a flop house. I guess so. Because there's nothing but cats in here. None of nothing. And it seems like they set it up. And it also seems like this is mostly where he lives, but it sounds like his friends have just dropped in. Like he wasn't expecting them to be there, but he was also not surprised that they were there. Which I have so many questions now about Thomas. How do you have this property in Paris? Why are you not in Paris? What is your life? Do what happens when you get married to Duchess? Do you keep the property? Is it now hers? Mm, I don't know. Great question. I'm also noticing here that it looks like um, the singing voice for Duchess is different. It's not um, Eva Gabor. Oh, who's the singing? It voice? looks like it's Ruby Lester. I don't know who this person is. All right, I'm, uh, we're reading. I'm looking at the credits here. She brought up the wiki page for Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. And Roby it says that this, yeah, this one is Roby Lester. Um, is the uh, the arist- is the voice of Duchess? Oh, it says here Piglet, and it also says um, she would provide the uncredited singing voice of Ega- Eva Gabor 
in the Aristocats. And I was going to ask if she was the one in the Rescuers. Oh. I actually was wondering if she was also in the Great Mouse Detective, but it looks like she's not. Hmm. Um, I thought she was a bit part in the Great Mouse Detective where they have one singing actress, but it looks like it's not her. Did she just do songs? <clears throat> because it's also... I think that she's just, I think that she's cast as a singer because it's also showing that she's um, Mm -hmm. Bambi and Thumper. Oh, at least in something called Thumper's Great Race. Okay. I don't know. All right. Never mind that. Never mind that. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, I guess we'll we'll find out when we do the Great Mouse Detective who actually sings for that. Yeah. (laughs) But. So they're just playing jazz, like good, what I, I don't love like free jazz, but I do like genuine like swinging club jazz from, you know, the sort, that sort of era. Mm -hmm. And I like it because um, Duchess says, it isn't Beethoven, no, it's not, um, it's uh, Berlioz who said, it isn't Beethoven, but it still bounces. Boy, does it ever bounce. Boy, does it ever bounce. This is such a good song. This is such a good song. And you know what also makes this song better? Hmm. Fat cats with tiny hats. Such a fun song. You see Scat Cat singing, swinging his tail around. And um, the actor for Scat Cat is, the voice actor is Scatman Crothers, mm-hmm. who is, uh, I looked him up a little bit, a pretty famous jazz musician at the time. Yeah. You can tell in his voice. He's got that very traditional, beautiful, smoky jazz yeah. voice singing. That's, it's great. I like this. This is a fun song. I I am going to do the verses that I like. <clears throat> the best because i like these um <laughs> the lines but it's when uh all right i'll just start at the beginning and go into my favorite it's like <laughs> everybody wants to be a cat because a cat's the only cat who knows where it's at tell me everybody's picking up on that feeling beat because everything else is obsolete strictly i button shoes and then we go and this is my favorite yeah. a square with a hole makes you wish you weren't born every time he plays but with a square in the act you can set music back to the caveman days and i love that because it's how i feel when you hear bad music (laughs) i want to die and you're bringing music back a hundred years that's true it's pretty awesome this is such a fun song. It's a really fun song. And then Marie starts singing, Because a cat's the only cat who knows where it's at. <laughs> but I do like that she, that they like her. They're like, sing it, little kid. Oh, yeah. These these stray cats that have, again, amazing musical talent uh-huh. are like, nah, little cat lady, join our jam. Let's get this on. Yeah, they were yeah. so into it. They, they're they like, they get Berlioz up on the piano. They get yeah. to lose the horn. They they turn into acid cats. They absolutely <laughs> turn into acid cats. Yeah. Um, And we also get to meet Shun Gong, the racist cat. Yes, and I was totally wrong in the last episode in saying that I thought that it was um, Winnie the Pooh as the racist cat. It's no, 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 no. Paul Winchell. Paul Winchell is the one. And I'm, let's be perfectly clear: we're not blaming Paul. Paul no. was just cats. Um, best known as Tigger. I was right though. There is a Winnie connection here. There is. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, it's Tigger. Uh, he'll also be back in um, the Fox and the Hound. We're seeing here with credits. But yeah. Ooh. But most importantly, he you can hear him as Zummy Gummy in the first five seasons of Adventures of the Gummy Bears. I have about thirty-eight questions. 
And I don't think any of them will be answered. It's fair. Oh, sorry. Apparently, Winchell got into show business as a ventriloquist and had his own show called The Paul Winchell Show with puppets. And he worked as a hypnotist by helping people undergo surgery. He was an inventor, and some of his ideas were an artificial heart and a flameless cigar lighter, and he got a patent for a disposable razor, but it was disapproved because it, on the basis of it being considered ridiculous for people to buy razors and throw them away after a single use. This man was ahead of his time. This man was way ahead of his time. He... he Sorry, what? Um, yes, he lobbied Congress to appropriate foreign aid for landlocked nations to encourage the breeding of the tilapia fish. What the fuck? Who is this man? We're gonna. We're, this is turning into um, Danville to discuss Paul Winchell. Wait, did we earlier? Did we? Two ventriloquist dummies, Jerry Mahoney and Knucklehead Smith. Am Wait, I wrong? Was it? That's not him. He, no, this is, this this is a is different not, guy. This is a different guy. Okay, there's too He's, many ventriloquists that are involved with Disney movies. No offense to that other ventriloquist, but this man is cuter. I would have remembered if it was this man. He's better That's looking. enough. I do. I, I can understand that. Sorry, the other guy was just also older. Um, they all just kind of look like ventriloquists to me. Yeah. They but, look like dummies to me. No. But gosh. Yeah, so that's um, Paul Winchell. Apparently, you're not the only one who found him attractive because Paul Winchell was married three times and fathered five children. See, there you go. But the thing about um, this section, the super racist section, is that it d- it definitely does not need to be in this movie because you cut away from this jazzy acid trip thing just to get into this super weird pseudo-Asian piano thing where a guy just racistly pronounced a bunch of the things and then we cut back to the regular song. Yeah, and it's like, and and I think Shangong is the only. I'm going to call them an ethnic cat. No, there's a Russian cat. There's a Russian cat too. Mm-hmm. Was that the blue, the Russian blue? Maybe. I think maybe, it? but there was a cat who had one of those. He had a he had a yeah. Russian accent that would have sounded right at home in Black Widow. Oh, you're you're true. You're true. Very true with that. I'm definitely saying words that make sense in my head. They just don't come out as correct phrases. That's me all the time. Yes. But I the song is the song is rocking. There is a song, but I forgot that there was another tone change in here. Um mm. because where was the harp? Where was the harp hiding in this house the whole time? Who question of this house? What is what is this? Just abandoned this with musical instruments. House? Because this house, by the way, everyone, has a piano, a harp, a drum set, a bunch of other stuff. It's fully stocked. Yeah, this was clearly a musician's house that, like, I don't know, was abandoned for a reason. Why was it abandoned? Where did they go? They're dead. The cats killed them. The cats. It just. (laughs) Wait, no, I got it. This is what happens when you leave your fortune to the cats. That's how the cat, the house is, uh. That's actually a very smart observation. Because, like, <laughs> like, why? This doesn't make sense. Even on the outskirts of Paris, it's Paris. Yeah. Um, but then after um, the song ends, and it's time for the children to go to bed. We think. Yeah, it, it's time <laughs> for the children to go to bed so that the adults can have their adult time together. I like that, um, well, first of all, they go, Duchess and O'Malley go out onto the roof to talk, and immediately all three children go and hide in the windowsill to listen. Yeah, and also that's when um, uh, 
I think it was Duchess who said, I just love your ethnic friends, Tom. She basically said, and I did have to say that I like that she is nicely open-minded, where even though she's super sheltered, she's still like, no, your friends are really nice. I like them. Yeah. And it wasn't a lie. She was like, I I did. It's a very, it's one of those very classes things. Yeah, where it's like, she's being open-minded, but it sounds so fake. Because she even tries to like use the lingo where she's like, no, 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 I want to see your cat and Mm -hmm. your scout cat. Yeah. Where it's like, mom yeah stop but you guys it's so ripped like i don't understand this word mom that's not (laughs) and she was talking about the the the, his place and how it's actually nice it's not garbage it just needs a little feminine touch and i love how the kittens misinterpret it because i think talu says oh boy mother's going to work for mr o'malley wasn't it marie the one who's like do you think he's gonna be our dad might have been. I think one of the cats is like, boy, I hope that he's our dad or something. Oh, kind of. But at the very end, when um, Duchess and um, Thomas have a very nice conversation, but she's basically like, I can't. I have a human. And he accepts yeah. that. And that's where one of the kittens goes, well, we almost had a father. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, cats do not need to care. No. <laughs> cats don't care. Cats don't dance. <laughs> but yeah they have this little wholesome what i write it down as wholesome flirting because it's not like he they're not being weird it's like no it's like we could have a fun time and we'd live out here with the kids yeah and it's part of the whole thing where he even is like and he even says earnestly he's like i i love them mm-hmm. and it's not a lie it's like he this man and he fell in love with duchess immediately and as soon as he realized she had kids he was like all right we're, this is this is our family now he wrote that he was ready to be a dad after 48 hours. Legit that. <laughs> I also wrote that he's clearly been abandoned by a human in the past. Yeah. And it also said, like, oh, Madame is is just going to adopt Tom. Mm-hmm. There's no issue there whatsoever. I also noticed that she, at some point during this Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, switches from calling him Mr. O'Malley, and she now calls him Thomas. Oh, Thomas. Yeah, she, we get on a first name basis. <laughs> that's when you know it's serious yes and then uh it's this next morning and we are in uh, the fancy neighborhood whoa yes we are they they almost make it back they do um uh thomas makes a fantastic joke where he looks around the fancy home and goes dig these fancy wigwams <laughs> wigwams wigwams where are you from yeah what's you American in Paris. Yeah, an American who clearly is familiar with indigenous culture. I, in 1910. In 1910? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Wigwam was actually pretty ubiquitous uh-huh. word back then. It's true. I mean, we had John Wayne movies by then, so. Um, but Duchess and Thomas actually kind of like how she's starting to say, like, I don't know what to say. And he just says, maybe just goodbye. Not in a rude way, but just like, it'll be easier. Just goodbye yeah so she says goodbye and i'll never forget you and goes inside and he walks away well they don't go inside quite yet yeah i thought they oh, went the- up to the door and they're like okay we'll, the- we'll the- let edgar let us in the kittens run ahead and they try yeah. to jump in the cat door but it's closed yeah that's it and that's when they start meowing they say yes. well let's start meowing edgar hears them and comes and lets them in. And by the time he comes and opens the door, Duchess has joined them. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the door closes, he gets them with a sack. Yeah, Edgar is like, what? Oh no, they can't be back. What is this insanity? Surely these cats are dead. 
Yeah, but he opens the door, lets them in, puts them in a sack, and throws them into the oven, which is off. He does, yeah, thankfully. He does that incredible thing again, like 101 Dalmatians, where you just are able to swoop up multiple animals. Into a bag. Thing, yeah. Yeah, and not a single one of them tries to get out when you're getting another one in. No, seemingly these cats just walked into the bag one after another and thought, thank God I don't have to use my tiny little legs anymore. Right. But as soon as he throws them in the oven, he hears Madame running down the stairs because she has also heard the meowing. And she's, of course, demanding, not demanding, Again, she's still so nice. She's like, let them in, let them in. She's not like, open this door. She's like, they're home, they're home, let them in. Yeah. And Edgar just starts gaslighting this woman. He opens the door for her and she comes out and she's calling for them. And of course they're in the fucking oven. So he is like, let me. He goes outside and does that. Like you, you asshole. I I wrote that Edgar has such a punchable face. He does. Yeah. Um. I think this is where we get Rookford actually saying it out loud. The butler did it. I think so, yeah. Oh, because he go he is at the oven because mm-hmm. he's trying to get the cats out and they're yelling at him to go get Thomas. Go get him. He'll know what to do. Duchess says to get Scat Cat. No, she doesn't. She but, says get Mr. O'Malley. Oh, get Mr. O'Malley. And then he Rookford was O'Malley. To O'Malley. Yeah. O'Malley run uh, no. Rookford runs to O'Malley and basically just he gets out with Duchess and Kitten's in trouble. Butler did it, which yeah. is all he has to say. And O'Malley says, go get Scat Cat and the Alley Cats and bring them here for help. Okay, so two questions then. This still does not change my question. Okay. One, how did Roquefort know who Thomas O'Malley was? Great question. Two, how would Roquefort know who the Scat Cats and the Alley Cats are? Exceptionally great question. Yeah, no, because he just goes running down the uh, the road yelling, Mr. O'Malley. And Thomas doesn't turn to look at him like, huh? Yeah. He, no, he runs in front of a cat and just yells, Stop. Yeah. What if this wasn't him? What if what if this was, like, Mr. Snoofers? What if this was Robert Goulet's character? Yeah, seriously. From Gabe Pier- <laughs> Meow Reese. <laughs> no, uh, I forget. What, honestly, I forget what oh, his cat's name was. But it was like, I just call him Robert Goulet. Yeah, but uh, here's where he gets the instructions to go get the alley cats. And Roquefort goes, cats, but I have a mouse, which I wrote down as the smartest line in this movie. And yet still, he knows where to find them. And he does get there. He gets there and he tells them, I was sent here for help by a cat. And every single one of Scat Cat's gang falls out laughing. I guess they knew. Maybe this is not the first time that O'Malley has sent a... uh a mouse to do a cat's job i don't don't know because they don't first they don't immediately pounce him they don't they don't they're like well all right if a cat sent you those cats are too high on catnip that's why maybe but with the thing because they give him a test yeah like if a cat really did send you which cat yeah and um roquefort just can't remember his name (laughs) he doesn't know this cat he gets he's like oh brian oh grady Peterson. I just realized that the last name makes it seem like Thomas O'Malley should be an Irish cat. Right. But there's no Irish accent. No. And he has he's the most American cat that ever cat. And he got and he has a Giuseppe in there. What? Once again, Abraham, DeLacy, Giuseppe, Casey, Thomas, O'Malley. 
These are like six individual names or three full names. Yeah, they really are. But yes, like you, like you said, like like the alley cats are trying to get him to say who the cat is. Yeah, and again, they're giving him a fair. They give him three chances. They're yeah. like, dude, if a cat really said you, just tell us the cat. And then just as they're about to squish him, he freaks out and screams, "Why did I listen to that O'Malley cat?" And that's when they're all like, "Oh shit! Oh, you're his friend." As they say here, this little guy's on the level. We gotta have we gotta have our our, our lingo. I get it. You know, he is on the level. He that's, is on the level. That's pretty cool. And he Ooh. tells them, Duchess. Huh? Sorry. I just realized. I do wonder if that's like a 1910 saying on what the level. What is a level? It might be. I think it. I don't know if it's a 1910 saying. I think yeah. it might be more of a New Orleans jazz saying. Yeah. That's, okay. As in, like the 60s. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like that's water all very time. jazz. It definitely does. Um, but it would be older. But. He tells them, he tells them the thing. He's like, Duchess and the kittens are in trouble. O'Malley sent me. And I like, I like these cats. They're immediately like, we're off to the fucking rescue. Here yes. we go. And they leave Rookfort to chase after them. And there is the scene where they run by a Frenchman at a cafe drinking wine. I was trying to figure out if that was supposed to represent an artist. I don't know. I didn't know. I just liked that he saw a mouse chasing a gang of cats and he immediately pours out a bottle of wine. Yeah. I think what would have been really, really funny is um, if he were drinking absinthe or something like that. And it was like, okay, I'm done with the absinthe. I haven't just seen the green fairy. I've seen the scat cats. Yep. <laughs> but he doesn't know that. He yeah. uh, He just... Pours out his wine, and um, we see now what Edgar's plan is. Yeah, he's gonna put the cats in a in a, a box in a ship in a like a steamer a sh- trunk. Yeah, steamer trunk, small steamer trunk, I guess. It's a steamer trunk, nonetheless. It's a trunk. Yeah, it's a trunk, a shipping trunk, and it has a shipping label on it for Timbuktu. Just for Timbuktu, because that's when you could do things like that. Yeah, and he's like, "This is gonna be it." But O'Malley is able to get there because he was first on the the scene. (laughs) And he's trying to get in the way. But obviously, a man pushing a trunk is stronger than a cat pushing a trunk. But I fucking love that the horse was like, now, I know that a human is stronger than a cat. But let me just tell you, I am stronger than a human. I... I'm so glad that Fru-Fru got involved. Yes. So, because O'Malley is trying to, like, push the trunk so that Edgar Edgar can't push it out the door. And then he sees Fru-Fru lift up her legs and stomp them over the rope holding her in her stall. Mm -hmm. He runs out of the fucking way. And this trunk just crashes into her and won't go anywhere. She's like, nope. Yep. This is mine Nope. This is mine. Yeah, I've got this. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Edgar picks up a pitchfork, and it looks like he's going to straight skewer Thomas. I know! Didn't he, like, try to, like, push it into Well, he was using it to, like, push him into the corner, and then he just pinioned him there? Yeah, then he pins him. Surprisingly did not get any Thomas. (laughs) Thomas absolutely also thought that he was going to get skewered, because his face was like, ah! Yeah. And um, just when it looks like all is lost, Thomas is pinned. Fru-Fru is a horse. She can't quite get everywhere. The alley cats show up. And all hell breaks loose. Oh, yeah. Like, all six of them just straight, just... Hats and all. 
jump right on Edgar and start a massive brawl. It is a tornado of cats. It is a tornado of cats. And Rookfort gets to work trying to um, open the lock mm-hmm. on the trunk. And I think my favorite bit in the entire movie is when that's there's a bunch of chaos happening yeah. and Rokefort just yells and Edgar understands do the cat everyone understands yeah. everyone's like I know that we're fighting but we all have to freeze yeah and everyone very politely waits until the lock clicks and the second it clicks they're back all right we're good we can re- we can resume again I think they use that pause though to come up with their plan that like 10 second <laughs> pause because as soon as the action clicks back on they get to work i don't remember the exact well they did i, I don't remember either i was kind of just watching the chaos and then before i knew it um the cats we wanted were out of the trunk and edgar was shoved into the trunk so i think what happened is in way 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 earlier in the uh, movie when we see frufa on the cart there's kind of like this collar-esque thing around her it looks like a big rosette mm-hmm. and that's where the hitch for the yes. Yes, yeah. that's where you actually hook up the horse to a carriage because you need a way to distribute the pressure. Yeah. So later in here now, we see them kind of winding him up in a rope. And then he ends up with something around him. And for the longest time, I didn't know what it was. I think it's that hitching collar. I think thing. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, what is this massive horseshoe around him? And mm-hmm. I'm sure that's what it is. And they use that to tie him up. And then you see uh, Fru-Fru with the rope in her mouth holding it. So she is the one suspending him in the air. And she literally kicks his ass into the trunk. Good. This horse has had it with him. And I kind of love it. Cats working with horses. With mice. With mice. It's the age old story. Yeah. (laughs) And it. Yeah. It ends. Yeah. The trunk trunk shows up to pick up the trunk. No questions asked. No, they're just like, it's time to go. Go. Yeah, uh, presumably Edgar is not sitting in that trunk yelling his little brains out. That's what I kind of want to know is like, why is he not making more of a Maybe he got knocked out. That was my question because otherwise I would, they also didn't put the lock back on. So he would have just stood up. The trunk is filling with blood right now. He has a massive head injury. (laughs) Just going to be a corpse in there when it gets to Timbuktu. Some poor person in Timbuktu has just been shipped a dead Britishman. It's an act of war. I was about to say, this is how the war starts. A dead Britishman from Paris. This is an act of war. <laughs> the fucking sign. What is the sign? We don't know. It's violence. <laughs> the sign is violence. The sign is violence. Yeah. I don't know. I want to know how much time passes between Edgar being picked up and this photo shoot. Because there's no indicator as is, if it's that night. Or is it like a year later? I think that they pulled a Lady in the Tramp where it's like, okay, a couple months later. Okay, maybe. Because at that point, too, so we, we get the photo shoot where Thomas now looks like a proper, proper gentle cat. Yeah, and we even see Madame parting his hair down the middle and combing it. Yeah, how very appropriate, appropriate. for a time. Um, and I think it's at that point, too, when she's talking about how, oh, this is when I want to open up my, my house yes. for charity. For- she, she has George back over yeah. to do her will. And he, she's like, yeah, I want to remove Edgar. And I want the rest of my money, instead of going to Edgar, to go to my new foundation. I don't know where he went. I, I love how they also, <laughs> she also makes a comment along the lines of, like, if he had just actually listened to the entire will instead of just the first part, he would have been really happy. Yeah. And she's right. It's like, dude, you were going to get literally everything. 
he was about to become independently wealthy. This man was a massive idiot. Yeah, he was about to become independently wealthy, start a brand new legacy for his family, take, you know, the Bonfangi name off of it and put whatever his last name, not not just a replacer, but like, dude, she's giving you her fortune. She's giving you her life. And now she's just going to get exponentially wealthy because she decided to offer up her home to the stray cats of Paris, which as we all know, are the most musically and artistically talented. Seriously, because <laughs> they start playing songs immediately. And George is like, what is that? It sounds like a gang of swinging cats. Yeah, because we get our we get our reprise. We do. We get more of the Xerox dance footage, which I kind of like. We get Fru-Fru. Now she's able to come into the house and sing. Which is weird. To me. That's still kind of weird to me to let your horse into your house. I would let Rohan into my house. You have the space for this. A, a row house in Paris, I yeah, still feel would be a little She doesn't small. live in a row house. Have you seen that home of hers? That's a fucking mansion. It is a pretty big mansion. I'm betting the ceilings are 12 feet tall. I'm betting it's actually inconsequential for her to have a horse in her house. I think the bigger question is who's cleaning up after the horse? Because every horse that I've known has not been known to hold their bladder or their poo. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. But I like the... Um, the ending, the reprise of Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Yeah, that's I, cute. I do like the medley of dogs howling is what ends a cat movie. Holy Are the last Some ones. show up. Yeah, they're the last ones we see. They have absolutely no connection to the rest of the cats in this story. No, not to the cats at all. They don't interact with any of the cat characters. They only interact with Edgar. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay, there's questions about this movie. But so you're right, right, it is the end. It yeah, it just ends. And then the last thing we hear before the movie like end end ends is I think Toulouse going from when they were falling asleep in bed. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I've never got why that was like that creative decision. Me neither. It's weird. I don't know either. This was a weird this was this was a a sidecar ride of a story. <laughs> it was a sidecar ride of a story. <laughs> well, something that we didn't talk about, um, in the beginning right was what your relationship was with the aristocats as a kid i owned this one this is one of the movies i did own um and i i don't remember it being one of my favorites but i don't remember it being one that i didn't like so it was just it was in the rotation but i don't remember ever being like this is my favorite movie i liked it so you're saying that you never owned a white t-shirt with marie on it saying that Girls don't start fights, but they can finish them. You know what's really funny is that I bet I did at some point in my past own Marie merch, but I don't remember what it was. It, it seems like something that like every yeah you just every got, young girl would have. Yeah, even yeah. if you didn't buy it for yourself, you got gifted it. Yeah, exactly. For some reason. Yeah. What about you? You know, this is something that I was also trying to remember with this movie because mm-hmm. I feel like I have this movie. Mm-hmm. It was around, mm-hmm. but I don't remember having like a huge connection with it. I'm sure I must have. Right. I'm sure I must have, but it just wasn't as um, a big part of my life, I guess, as some other Disney movies or big influences. That's fair. And I find, I think that's kind of interesting me just because I'm such a cat person. <laughs> I mean, yes, but I mean, I find it interesting because a lot of cat people that I know also did not really bond with this movie. I think because it's like, <clears throat> Aside from everybody wants to be a cat, you could replace these animals with anything else. It's true. It could have been a movie about dogs if it was dogs and puppies. Could have been geese. What if the roles were reversed and instead it was uh, British cats on holiday instead of geese? 
And they thought that the geese were trying to climb a tree. Yeah. That'd be kind of actually hilarious. It would be. But yeah, I... (laughs) This is one of the this is one of the ubiquitous movies in my life where it's like I saw it, it yeah. was around, I saw it multiple times. I remember a lot of it. Um, but I don't remember ever having a phase where it was my favorite. I don't remember having a phase where I didn't like it. It just was around. It was a movie that I had. Same. Yeah. It existed. It did. And um on that one, as an adult, did you like it and do you recommend it? Yeah. So I think as an adult, <laughs> I didn't like the movie. I do agree that it's just kind of a movie that exists. Yeah. And would I be clamoring to be like, oh man, a year from now, I really need to rewatch the Aristocats? No. Yeah. But I liked the movie. I would recommend watching it. Definitely a rewatch is worthwhile. Yeah. Um, if you kind of ignore all of the plot holes and just hang out for the ride. Yeah, there are a couple of plot points that definitely went over better with me when I was eight because yes. I was not thinking about it. As an adult, I had a lot more questions. But overall, I also enjoyed it and I do recommend it. I think that it's funny. Yeah, there's the filler that's in here is not as bothersome as the other filler in other movies where it's been like it kept my attention enough where I was not tearing away from the movie. Yeah, we definitely don't have the issue where Disney kept trying to do like B plots, like full on B plots. yeah. Yeah, so it is nice to to have us mainly have an A plot. <laughs> yeah, where it's kind of street like, excuse me, in that way. Yeah, but um, I already know what's coming up next week because I'm really excited for it. But I want you to tell everyone I'm literally bouncing in my seat. <laughs> you really are bouncing in your seat, and you're not even sitting on a bed. Uh, because next week we are going back to live action one last time for now for now to discuss the classic angela lansbury movie bed knobs and broomsticks i love this movie so much i think this is going to be a, a fun one this is I this too. is going to be a fun one to discuss for sure i mentioned it too in mary poppins and that i actually grew up knowing more and watching bed knobs and broomsticks more than i'd ever seen mary poppins i only saw mary poppins as an adult i grew up watching bed knobs and broomsticks i was very aware of this movie so that's so funny to me because I never recall uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks being in like the the lexicon. I know. I don't know how this happened. I think yeah. that my mom happened to like Bedknobs and Broomsticks better than Mary Poppins so that she chose <laughs> to, to show it to me. I think that must have been it because I can't think of another reason. Every person I've ever met is like, I've never seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I saw Mary Poppins. I'm the only one that was the other way around. This is so weird. Well, it won't surprise you to know that, of course, I did used to see this. So Yes. I, or I did used to watch this um, and have watched it multiple times. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to talk about that. We did a lot of cat chat. Chat, cat chat. Cat chat. Chat chat. Cat chat. Chat chat. But you know what it sounds like, Alexia? What? Sounds like the end. The end! (laughs) So long, Glamour Boys. So long, Glamour Boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nest's podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thirumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word on Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long glamour boys. So long glamour boys. (laughs) 